Hello, and welcome to the Weekly Scroll Podcast. My name is Ryan. And I'm a hundred different, more concise hacks. <laughs> oh, 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 all right, we're just jumping right into it. So, hey, listen, uh, today we are going to be looking at um, Apocalypse World from uh, Meg and Vincent Baker. And um, I'll tell you right off the bat, if you didn't like our review of Blades in the Dark, you won't like this one either. So, um, <laughs> you really won't. <laughs> you really won't. So here's, we, we were talking about this a little bit before because we we we... Our little ADHD brains struggle to read this one um, uh, in a in a similar but different way. At least for me, I don't know if it's from from Blades in the Dark. Like that was just such a difficult book to parse. Um, I, I feel like this I was don't know if more it difficult. Was, I don't know if this was difficult in the same way. I think I no, didn't yeah. like reading this one. I yeah, think it was I like, didn't like reading that one either. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I didn't like reading both of them. Blades of Dark, I really genuinely had a, ha- a hard time with it. Felt like a lot of text packed into small spaces. This one has some breathing room. But it's just very, very conversational. Um, yeah, it really sounds like someone with, and and here's the thing, um, uh, I, I I say this from experience because I know this is how I talk. Uh, it sounds like someone had with ADHD had too many Red Bulls and just ranted the entire story at you in one go. Yeah. Um, but uh, and that's why it repeats itself so many times and then talks about things but doesn't get to them until like 200 pages later. Yeah, and like, I feel like we started with the caveat in our own discussion before this, which is that the original version of this game is from like 2010, right? Um, this is this is 2E, um, which is, I mean, I still think what 2016. Uh, right. So okay, so wait, here, let me do the. I okay. have a whole okay. spiel. Oh yeah, I got oh, a whole do spiel. the opening. Yeah, hold on. Here yeah, we go. I, we we have new openings thanks to Josh Demansky because he he a hundred plus episodes in he told us uh, or at least by his own preparation uh, things that we should have been doing instead. Oh, it's on my Discord. So I do. Yeah, there was a couple things I wanted to say. I I Discord messaged myself because I didn't want to put it in notes app and I meant to put it into paper uh, and then I didn't do that either. So first and foremost, let's say um, that uh, Meg Baker. Um, did um, come down with illness a couple of months ago. Um, I'm, maybe I'm completely wrong because I meant to write it in here, but um, she did um, get diagnosed with breast cancer. Mm. Um, yeah, on seven seventeen, uh, and there is a meal train, which is like a which is like a GoFundMe set up cool. to uh, help support um, her while she is in um, appointments and un- unable to work and things like that. So we will, um, that is still active. It's still opening and still donate. I donated a while ago. Um, so, uh, we will make sure that that link is in the, um, in, in all the shit so that you can donate to Meg from everything that I've heard about Meg Baker. She sounds like the fairy godmother of, of a lot of the people in the TTRPG universally loved, universally respected has seemed that everyone that's ever met her has felt supported by her. So that would be a really nice thing for everyone to do if they could, um, if it's possible for you to donate um, to I keep pointing down as if the link's down there already. It's not, but it will be. It will be. So that's the first thing I wanted to say. So definitely try to support um, Meg um, as she goes through this situation um, if you can. Um, and, uh, and if you can't financially share in the link, that always helps. So um, second. All right. The spiel for Apocalypse World. OK, so I uh, originally came out in 2010. Okay. Um, and when I think back to what I was doing in 2010, that's just so that's so crazy. That's like 13 years ago. I was doing drugs. So, yeah, I wasn't even playing tabletop role play games in 2010. I wasn't. Yeah. Um, but when it came out, it won the 2010 Indie RPG Award for Game of the Year. 
Um, it won the indie, the 2010 Indie RPG Award for Most Innovative Game. Uh, it mm. won the 2011 Golden Geek Award for RPG of the Year, as well as a number of other awards. So when this came out, it really blew a lot of people's minds. Um, uh, it's a lot different now, 13 years later, when there's like a thousand PBTA games that are done yeah. differently. Uh, but this is the original. So uh, the 2016, the second edition came out in 2016. That is when... Vincent Baker of Lumpy Games um, added uh, Meg Baker onto the game as well. That's when she joined to help write the game. Um, it funded on Kickstarter for 4,332 backers, pledging $149,681. So about almost 150 k in 2016 for a tabletop game, which also sounds crazy. That um, does actually sound like, crazy. Yeah. And again, this is Lumpley Games is the creator. You can find them on Twitch. That's Vincent Baker. Um, you can find their um, um, a blog that talks all about putting stuff together, and, and they're active on Twitter and stuff like that. The other thing I want to talk about before we hop into this is um, what is a PBTA? Um, Powered by the Apocalypse isn't the name of a category of games, set of games, uh, set of games features, or the thrust of any game's design. Um, it's the name of Meg's and Vincent's policy concerning others' use of the intellectual property and creative work. And if you don't believe me, that is literally from their website. That is a quote from Vincent hmm. Baker. There is literally a page on their on their website called like "What is PBTA or whatever," and that's what it is. So the the all of the and if you read through some of the lumpy blog stuff about writing a pbta it talks about a lot of the mechanical aspects that have now been tied to pbta were never intended to be a system like the apocalypse world is written to be apocalypse world not a system and obviously a, a an ecosystem of systems has come from that so just to get off the bat 2d6 mixed success and and playbooks and moves and stuff like that doesn't mean it's a pbta and if you don't have it it doesn't mean it's not a pbta per the creator per per them i think there's a there's a uh, that yeah. like intent versus execution um yeah. thing here I, I say that with a caveat too because at the end of the book we get to a section called powered by the apocalypse which is literally other people's like move hacks of it so it's 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 interesting <laughs> that they then chose to use it and say it's not that thing that we said at the back of the book um but yeah so that is part by the apocalypse so do we want to complain now or just the whole talk what, what's your um, i think we we did some preliminary complaints uh, uh just if you're listening this is gonna be one of those episodes where we don't read word for word uh, because this book it has a lot of words and a lot of them are not necessary it's 309 pages and it's not even that it's jam-packed um there's a lot of empty space in this book um but it's uh, there's a lot of things that are said that I think part of it is just like the evolution of how we write games and the understanding that the ecosystem has about how games are run. Things are less explained now because there's more context um, mm -hmm. for those. And we have a better understanding of like, this is the rule, this is how it works, and, and you don't need to really expand upon it any more than that. And, and sometimes I think we've been like, oh, it would be great to have play examples here. Um, and maybe that is why there's so much here is because it's really a progenitor to all these things. But yeah, so we're going to, we're going to, surmise this is gonna be this. this is gonna be a lot of pedantic bitching and i don't think a lot of it's pedantic i think a lot of it is just um uh well let's get in i'll just yes you're right we did preliminary complaining and now let's get into the real complaining yeah. um there's a there's a really early thing that i think would would change a lot about this book um so let's uh, address that first of all two things about the cover one it's dope as fuck and two i love that it's a photograph 
Yeah, totally. Great cover. Um, just very iconic, you know, like, yeah, yeah, good cover. For those that haven't seen it, it's an apocalypse looking person, like with a red, like uh, gas mask on, like old school gas mask with the two kind of looking up the sky, looking like maybe they either just put it on or they're tearing it off. There's like smoke behind them. Like, it's just a dope fucking cover. And like this one the red has of the just mask is great. Oh, it off of that smoke from the back. Yeah. It's so good. I will say I do enjoy the red on the, the actual mm. book cover better than the white on the pdf cover but again it's just a pdf it's fine um and i know that the first edition as far as pictures i found of it is a completely different piece of art which also looks oh, dope really? as fuck um okay, cool. so again it's one of those books that i'd love to have just to have um and i will say from a um from a strictly uh like text usability standpoint it is bookmarked to fuck it is mm-hmm. hyperlinked to hell yeah. It has indexes at the back. It has glossary at the back. It's got hyperlink table of contents in the front. There is very little more that I could want from a PDF. They did a really fucking good job of, at the very least, making the PDF navigable, you know? Um, and uh, and I do appreciate that. Um, we start off with a list of other games by Vincent Baker. Um, I have never really read a lot of these other games. I know that a lot of people are into Firebrands, um, mm, which right. is like a, a romance game. Um, and then um, other games from Meg Baker listed here as well, but there's a bunch. In a Wicked Age, Dogs in a Vineyard, Spin the Beetle, The Vengeful Demon of the Ring. I don't know what that is, but that sounds cool. I do have some of the recent stuff um, that they put out. Um, we might get a chance to go over sometime, but uh, Thousand and One Nights, Valiant Girls from uh, Meg, uh, Apocalypse World Master Ceremonies. So this is a page where I went back to double check um, and didn't see. So this is what's interesting to me. So this is Apocalypse World, the Master of Ceremonies playbook, second edition, 2016, D. Vincent Baker and I, I, Maggie, Maggie Baker, Megway Baker, I'm just, Meg Baker. So illustration and book design by D. Vincent Baker, 2010, 2016. Cover photo by Ellsment, uh, stock photos, you know, uh, and then a couple of things. Is there any, and this is, says a lumpy game. It's got the original part by the Apocalypse logo on this one, and it's rated R for language, sex, and violence. Sex is in this game. Interesting. 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 It was yeah. interesting, especially like, I mean, I have a very modern take on these games. Like, it's really only been the past few years that I've really gotten into, like, the, the, the non... What's up? No, keep going. Yeah. I like the non-traditional uh, tabletop gaming. Um, yeah. And like, yeah, you know, it's really avoided uh, in almost yeah. everything. Uh, so it yeah. was interesting to be like, oh, they talk about that. Here, I mean, I don't inherently have any issue with it, but like my table is probably not like that. But yeah, I wouldn't have sex at my table. But like the way that they do sex in this game is really interesting. We're definitely going to talk about it um, because it's definitely not making love and trying to have romances. It's 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 having sex and fucking. So we'll get to it. Yeah. But um, is there is there any anything on this page that you find um, extremely that you find missing? Maybe like a different kind of person that generally would be on this page. Oh, an editor? An editor. My God, does this book oh, mean a not fucking an editor? editor. Wow, that, that actually really does. Oh, I did not like that yeah. it, would, I, it would change so much if someone sat down and was just like, again, going to the analogy of someone just like ranting the game at you. If someone was like, okay, bro, you said that like three times already. Yeah. Let's just cut that part out. Like would make such a huge difference. An editor could cut this down to 150 pages. I mean, really, they they very much could. There's, I think there's a lot of good in here. I think, I think there now has is like 
packs of this that I think have less of the same stuff that I think do a little bit more with it. But I think other than that, yeah, I mean, cutting down the the needless word count and like the triple mention and stuff, we'll get into it. But yeah, an editor oh with a band, the good idea. Oh my goodness. And here's the thing is this game is, is I, I like games that are um, spoken with like a voice when a game has like a personality of like, it feels like the person yeah. explaining the game is like talking to you, but I like it in the way like Marching Order does, right? Mm. This doesn't mm-hmm. sound like, yeah. like the creator made like this character that's talking to you on how to explain the game. It's like the, the creator is just having an extraordinarily casual conversation about- We're in a kitchen like, at a house party with a beer yeah. and I'm oh my God. I'm explaining to you, keep what you kill. And like, listen, yeah. so <laughs> it's that it's that meme of like the dude, like holding that girl's neck and just like talking into her ear. She's like, like staring for it. OK, <laughs> dude, there's literally a part like there's numerous parts and it's like, well, this is what I do for my house rule. And I'm like, bro, you wrote the game. All the house rules are the rules. Why yeah, the would rule, you even yeah, say yeah, that? Rule, so. Come on. So, okay, let's actually get into it. So you'll also need some stuff. I love that so much of Apocalypse World is free and out there for you. You can just go to the website and download oh, a ton of it. Totally. That's the other thing about uh, Mega Vincent Baker is they never really, they never asked for for money really for anybody um, uh, to use their system. And again, in 2010, um, this was very different, um, and them basically opening up the entire system to be able to be hacked and made money off. And it's crazy the number of names you see in this book that made very popular PBTAs afterwards. Yeah, John Harper, Adam Coble, like a lot of the original like first gen PBTAs are in this book. So it's interesting, but um, they have been extremely generous with their with the popularity of yeah, their I think, system. I think the culture owes them a couple bucks like i know they did something recently where they're like hey you could back this and like yes send us some money uh if you've used her i'm like i think they're probably owed more than they actually got you know yeah well yeah a lot of the recent tiers for the kickstarters lately there's literally a tier that says hey if you're a game designer who made a bunch of money off of pbta and you want back at this tier to literally just give us money we've never asked for any but if you feel like you might owe it to us because you they're, made they're money probably, off of us they're probably owed that money yeah <laughs> So, uh, getting into this, um, I'm, we're, I'm hoping, and I know this, this, as we get into books, we say this and then we don't do it. I want to skim like 90% of this. So yeah, we're, we're going I mean, to do a lot of that. We're going to, I'm going to yeah. like sit here. I'm going to crack out the whip. Um, yeah. and every time we get too deep, I'm going to start yeah. you know, raising it above my head and screaming. Well, the thing is I do want to skim through most of it because we don't need to talk about most of it so that we can talk about the parts we really want to talk yeah, about. Totally, the absolutely. other thing. The other thing that I think an editor would have helped massively with as we go through these two pages, three pages of of table of contents is the order of the sections makes my brain explode. It seems like they wrote all of the chapter headings down on cards, threw them on a table, did a casino shuffle, and then was just like, that's probably good because I don't understand why things are in the order that they're in, right? Why do you you have the basics and then the playbooks right and then a whole gm section of stuff and then go back to the basic moves so the first time you really get a solid read through of like how to play the game by its basic moves is 136 pages in why is harm and healing which is a basic component of the game 200 pages in like i don't understand that at all why is the mc section like the third thing and why are all of the players playbooks literally like the second chapter heading I actually went to go look at 
my my favorite PBTA, which is a uh, not very good. Uh, I think it's a good game. It's not a very balanced game to see where the playbooks were in this one. Um, and you know what? They're at the fucking end <laughs> where they should be. I don't understand. Yeah. Here's the other thing, too. Reading this, um, I reached out to a person who I love and respect. They're fantastic. Aaron King. Um, if you want to know how to play a PBTA, you need to read Patrick World 60. It, they do their take on PBTA. But as far as explaining how things like moves work and clocks work and, and, and things like that, it yeah. is like such it is, in my opinion, like the primer for how to understand the intent of uh, a, a, a thing that's a little bit headier sometimes because it's not yeah. completely straightforward, even though it kind of is like because of the concept of moves. But Patrick World 60 is made me reading this easier to parse because I knew the parts are important and how they're actually like meant to run. I feel like this is one of like <laughs> my least favorite and most poorly explained PBTAs is the original PBTA. Um, yeah. So I, that's I think Patrick so. World is great, and I, every time I read it, I like it more. Not that I don't like it yeah. at first, but after like going through it a couple of times, I was like, man, this is really, really good. Yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah. Uh, also just the fact that the moves really are questions, and that's something that I yeah. really want to dig into. So anyway, check out Patrick World from Aaron King. Aaron King has also done uh, like actual just like straight up books about PBTA moves and things like that. They are like the PBTA master. So anything from um, Aaron King, definitely want to go check out um, all of their things as far as um, PBTA and all of its how-tos. So I'm not even going to go through the list of stuff in the table of contents because it's like 20 things. We're going to start with the basics. I will say this is what I always mean when we talk on about games on I want a rundown of the rules before we get to character creation so I can understand why I'm creating my character in that yeah. way. So so I really like that they start with that. That's my favorite part. And then we go from there. Um, so. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. 300 pages. So it's really not 300 pages because by the time you get, it's like 288 before it starts getting into other things. And then the playbooks themselves take up like 50 pages. So at the end of the day, when you really look at like the stuff that you like, quote unquote, need to read, you're looking at more like uh, 50 pages, 10, you know, <laughs> well, outside of the things you can chop off, I'm talking. So you can drop off like uh, like 70 pages for just playbooks and like extra stuff at the end, like indexes, things like that. So down to like 230 it's still a lot. So um, we get to our first piece of art here. It's fine. Yeah. Um, it 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 kind of looks as if you dropped a photograph into uh, Illustrator, did an image trace on it, and it just creates like a very chopped up, shapey um, vector image. It reminds me of the way that um, uh, John Harper did the, the 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 art in Blades in the Dark, but this is a much more I want to say amateurish like it, it, it this right. is much simpler versus what John Harper did um, in theirs. But um, but it's fine. There's basically no art in the entire book. They're basically just chapter headers and that's about it. And the art's fine. It's serviceable. Um, it's got some vibes to it. Kind of understand what's going on. Like this it's one, for example, um, definitely blood on their hands. I do dig that. Or at least that's yeah. how I saw it. Sure. So, and I, that's not exactly I, how I saw it. But you saying that, I'm like, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, do, I do like the whatever the font is that they chose the entire way through this, like really beat to shit um, uh, um, text face or whatever. Um, Definitely a high point. Oh, but it vibey, vibey, really dig it. Here's the thing, man. This could have been a zine. Um, but anyway, so. <laughs> 
I'm going to do a quick run through of the basics as we're going to do a quick run through of everything else. Um, and we're actually going to talk about the mechanical bits when we get to them because there are very few and far between. So um, just kicking off uh, setting the setting up the game here a little bit. So Apocalypse World. Nobody remembers how or why. Maybe nobody ever knew. The oldest living survivors have childhood memories of it. Cities burning, society in chaos, then collapse. Family set to panicked flight. The weird nights when the smoldering sky made midnight into a blood-colored half-day. Now the world is not what it once was. Look around you. Evidently, certainly, not what it was. But also, close your eyes, open your brain. Something is wrong. At the limits of perception, something howling, ever-present, full of hate and terror. From this, the world's psychic maelstrom, we none of us have shelter. I will say, I wish the psychic maelstrom felt more present in the rules. Yeah. It kind of feels like they brought it they up. Really and then at it. the very Yeah, at the very end, they go, okay, but this is how it works, like 250 pages in. So I think the length of the book um, makes the book worse because it takes so long to get to the important parts um so setting up to play you you find players um this is a part that i i didn't really so it's, the one line in here says the game really kicks in around the sixth session mark and it can go much longer if it takes six sessions to really get to the meat of your game you're yeah. not gonna play that game with a lot of people you know what I mean? Like I, that kind of reminds me of the whole like um, Blades in the Dark thing where it's like you won't understand it the first time you read this. And I'm like, well, then you wrote it bad. Like, you know, what a weird thing to put in, even if it was true. First off, if I feel like that about my own game, I might revisit some things about it. Mm -hmm. um, second off, I, if that was true and I liked my game, I would not put that in my game. Um, yeah, I wouldn't tell people that. I would it, like reading that. I'm like, oh, okay, I'm just not gonna do this. Uh. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's that's exactly that would that would that would, that is the first time I would bounce off this game. If I, I'll tell you right now, if I didn't have to read this for the review, I would have bounced off this like eight times. Probably never oh. finished it. Yeah. Oh, I didn't. I did not finish this. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, and this kind of starts the whole written in an extremely casual chatty part right here um basically it says gather the supplies that you need whatever um get some playbooks together playbooks are the characters like four page character sheets you need those you can download an apocalypse world again that's linked it's great Oop, this one's not linked um but uh it's linked earlier um uh, continuing with the basics, the conversation. Role-playing is a conversation. We all know that now. In 2010, it's probably good to have this in here. But again, as part of the basics, I don't mind this being in here. The rules mediate the conversation. They kick in when someone says some particular things and they impose constraints on what everyone should say after. Makes sense, right? Again, we start seeing bits and pieces of that like conversational tone that just gets worse as you go. Um, moves and dice. The particular thing that makes these rules kick in are called moves. So there is more than a page in the basic section. It ends up being a page and a half on kind of like what moves are without really telling you how to do moves until the very end. And this is a perfect example of what I'm talking about. When we go to this page here on page 10, right, it is an entire page talking mm -hmm. about moves, giving examples of moves, having a very casual conversation about moves. And in the last paragraph... It says, 
Okay, so each move um, says which stat the player should add to their roll. To roll a plus stat, the player rolls two dice, adds them, and adds the stat. If the sum total is six or less, that's a miss. If it's a seven or more, it's a hit. Seven and nine is a weak hit. Ten plus is a strong hit. That That's two sentences right there explaining what this page and a half is talking about. Yeah. And the difference that I found between this book and Blades in the Dark is, even though I felt like Blades in the Dark had way too much writing to explain a very basic concepts like 10 pages per rule what they did though is they actually took the rule out put it at the top in bold and said here is the rule that's now let me true. talk about it now let me talk about it way too much but the rule was at the top okay this says let me talk about this thing way too much and at some point with no actual designation of what i'm talking about in this two pages, a rule will be in there somewhere. I hope you find it. That's how I felt about the whole game. That I felt like I had to dig for Easter eggs to be like, oh, that's a core mechanic of the game. Yeah, it's like every subheading, I was skimming under it to find what part of the subheading was actually like the mechanical part of that. Um, and actually, there's another, uh, this same section that you're talking about, the third from the last paragraph also has another actual rule in it. But it's like <laughs> the third from the last paragraph explains you know, take plus one forward or take minus one oh, of them going. Yeah. It's like, oh, float, float all that shit all the way to the top. All the way it. to the top. And yeah. at no point when I got to the end and I saw all the indexes and glossaries and everything, I'm like, dope. There's going to be at least there's going to be like maybe there'll be like a two page breakdown of like the core stuff. Nope. Nope. It's like they <laughs> actively, actively decided to be like, oh, well, we didn't write a system. So this isn't there is no core part to the game. It's really about the narrative. And it's like, yes, but here's the thing. Like if you give if you give a four year old, a couple of four year olds, right, a bag of marbles and say, go play with them. Sometimes you'll have more of them. Sometimes you'll have less of them. And eventually you'll have math like that's not helpful at all. <laughs> right. But if you go, here's one marble, here's one Listen, marble. You walk, that's if two. you walk a bunch of monkeys in a room with a typewriter, eventually you'll get Shakespeare. Yeah. Right. Um. <laughs> like the, the war against like explaining the mechanics in this book broke my little brain like it is I interesting because went... like this is a system like you can say whatever you want and you can feel however you want but this when you sit down and you write a game that has dice mechanics you tied to a narrative flow like you made a system like it is in fact yeah. a system. and even if you don't want the players to in to in, what's really interesting is how much you have to engage with the system and how yeah. little it wants you to engage with the system yeah right which is really interesting. We'll get to some other uh, why I don't like moves uh, later. But again, so moves and dice, that's basically what this section says. And it's a page and a half to explain that. And you have to dig into that section um, about it. And the other thing that it um, does a lot throughout the entire thing is it never really separates. It never says, here's a rule. Here's an example of play. It's just as they're talking suddenly they'll just break into what other players are doing and this and that. So that's another issue is that there's so many examples of play, but it's not written as examples of play. It's written as just like a one paragraph. Oh, sometimes your player will do something like this. And suddenly there's quotations and stuff. I'm going to be really honest. I didn't read any of the examples of play in this. There, um, that's what I'm saying is they're not really examples of play as much as it's just like a continuation of the rant and be like, yeah. so sometimes sometimes I'll do this. But it's now I would have much rather like gotten a rule and then had a section called example of play for how moves yeah. work as opposed to like getting bits and chunks of it like all over the place. Um, and one of the core things about it and then we'll move on because then we're in the basics. But this section 
explaining like moves is bigger than the section explaining moves in the move section. And they do that frequently throughout where it's like, here's some parts, but you'll find it actually really later. But this part actually explains it better than that part later. And it's so redundant. There's so many redundancies. But here's the another issue I have. Um, so the rules for moves is to do it, do it. That's bolded. Right. In order for it to be a move and for the player to roll dice, the character has to do something that counts as that move. And whenever the character does something that counts as a move, it's the move and the players roll dice. So it says, usually it's unambiguous, quote unquote, like right in. Damn it. I guess I crawl out there. I try to keep my head down. So I'm doing it under fire, quote unquote. Like, yep. But there are two ways they sometimes don't line up. And it's your job as MC to deal with them. Right. So this is the thing, too. It, it, I feel like the writer was extremely unsure that people would understand it. So they over explained it. Yeah. Way too much. And again, not in a blades in the dark way where it's like, here's like from a DM perspective, it's more of just like, here's my thought process, like dumped out over and over and over again. So here's the issue really quick that I have with moves and why this book is the is like the reason I have issues with moves in the way that it's written, right? So there's my issue with moves is a common issue with moves in that um, I don't like the basic move list because mm -hmm. I feel like everybody will just be staring at that list, going, "Okay, what can I do?" Right, right. Like, well, I have to do one of these. But when you read blogs and stuff, a lot of people are like, "There's this this thing that for PBT heads, they go, well, if they don't trigger a move, they can just do whatever they want to do.'" Right. So if you're just walking through a door, you don't have to roll for it. If you're doing this, you don't have to roll for it. It's only when you trigger a move. So you have to know the moves well enough to know when you trigger them and all this other stuff. But like that, that aspect of like, don't roll when you don't have to roll is so poorly explained in this. But this idea of like to do it, do it. And if you do it, then do the moves or whatever is over is 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 dumped and dumped and dumped. So it comes down to the way that you write a game will intrinsically affect the way people play the game right right it's the it's the reason 5e writes the way it does to force people to play it in the way that they want them to play it so in here the um moves are explained in this way where it's like well they only they only like are triggered when you trigger them okay so you don't have to roll all the time but then you get to parts of the game that are literally like you know what you know you know how to end a session y you do a move you right. know what you do once the game is over and you have to like highlight other people's stats it's a move like you literally have like meta outside of game moves so it feels like everything is a move like i expected there to be like a uh, i have to get up to piss move like it feels like everything you do you can't do anything until you make a quote-unquote move but intrinsically very poorly explained in here is that you don't have that not everything is a move so it's like but if you write the game where everything feels like a move then people will always be looking for a move to do as opposed to doing what they want and then seeing if they have to roll because it triggered a move. People will be looking at the basic move list and going, well, I have to do one of these. So instead of like allowing the narrative to to like do whatever you want and if, then if it triggers a move, you you roll for the move, it actually becomes you have to do one of these moves and therefore your narrative is based on them. It's like the antithesis of what it actually tried to be. And that's why I don't mm -hmm. like moves. Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm here with you. Oh, absolutely. I I couldn't agree more. Okay. Cool. I couldn't. Right. I, also, I have no uh, ability to agree more than I do. Yep. 
I also hate tags. We'll get to that later. But we're still on the basics. But that was quick. So that's moves. The, then we have stats. There's uh, six stats. Um, and this stat section is a much better explanation of the stats than when we get to the stat section later. Then we get to the stat. Um, th yeah, it is. Yeah. I, I, yeah. So I, the redundancies throughout is crazy. So the stats are cool, which means um, cool under fire, rational, clear thinking, and you roll plus cool to do something under fire. I love, I love that that explanation is right there. This is what right. I'm talking about. We needed more of this very clear, concise language on how to do the things that you're supposed to be doing, right? There's hard, which means hard-hearted, violent, aggressive, strong-willed, mean, um, and then you roll plus hard to go aggro on someone. And the go aggro on someone is bolded because that is a move you do later. Hot means fucking hot. Attractive, subtle, gracious, sexy, beautiful. You roll hot to seduce or manipulate someone. Sharp meaning sharp-witted, clever, smart, etc. You roll plus sharp to read a person or read a situation. Everything I'm saying at the end, you roll to do something. Those things are move. Weird meaning a weirdo, psychic, genius, uncanny, all that stuff. Roll plus weird to open your brain to the world, psychic maelstrom. And history meaning history. Um, it's HX, like prescription diagnosis, um, particularly shared history. It's the history with other characters. I do really enjoy that mechanic, and we'll get to history I, later. I thought that one was interesting, and we'll get to it when you're doing character creation, like the setup for it, how it's mm -hmm. done. But I'm like, oh, okay, that's cool. Yeah, that's very narrative, you know? That's I a really, good narrative I, move. I really like that, and it is how you advance. Yeah. is your history with with other people and things like that so because you don't really advance you just improve a little bit or do things a little bit differently so that those are the the um the um uh stats and uh the core kind of core um moves to go with them the maximum for any stat is plus three the minimum is minus three most will be in a minus one to plus two um, and there's a notation here that says cool minus two means that your cool is minus two weird equals zero means that your weird is zero there's a lot of fucking algebra on this where i'm like there's too many letters that you didn't need you could just say it it's fine history plus one means that your history with someone is plus one some rules mm -hmm. call for you to modify your stats in which case the modifier appears before the stat name so plus one cool means you add one to your cool minus two and weird means you subtract two from your weird so there's a difference based on like whether you're just modifying the specific role you're doing versus modify or what your actual stats look like that's not that complicated it's fine um each chat each player highlights two of her character stats one chosen by another player, one chosen by you. This is another part that 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 we'll get to. The MC, uh, you, one chosen by you, the MC. The character's development over time depends on her highlighted stats. For details, see the character creation chapter, page 70, which is hyperlinked, and the improvement chapter, page 258. Why is it listed three times? And why is one of the best explanations for how to actually do that in this section right here? Because I, when I got to highlighting stats later, I had to be like, wait, why do we highlight stats again? And literally yeah. like do like a like a like a control F to like find highlights so I could find this and it's all the way up here. Um, yeah. So gear and other crap. You have gear. It has tags. I don't like tags. We'll get to tags later. Um, harm and healing. Things get harmed and things heal and there are clocks. And this is the worst way I like clocks. Um, it actually uses like the numbers on a clock, which makes no sense to me. Um but you can harm stuff and you can heal stuff. Um, this is exactly character... where I needed some art, like yeah. clock example art, you know? Yeah. Well, especially early on, if you're hitting the basics to, to do a little bit. But there's also yeah. times where they give you the little art that they do multiple times or in the wrong section. Mm. 
Um, character improvement, um, you mark experience mostly based on history or through moves, um, and your history with other people um, affects your experience bubbles, and when you get enough experience bubble, you can improve your character, which lets you, you know, adjust things on your playbook. That's character improvement. Timeline of play. Um, there's the play uh, pre-play prep, which is you getting our shit together. There's the first session, which is really just character creation. Um, and then there's subsequent sessions. Um, I know that the whole the, the thing about like it takes six sessions to get going. I don't think so. I think it really takes I know that they wrote that, but like from from reading this, it sounds like it really takes maybe like three. The first one being character creation. The second right. one being there's a session you're going to talk about later where basically you just spend a whole session just kind of like walking around, interacting, getting to know people. So you can like build um uh, narrative in the world and then the third session where you really kind of get going so i would say three sessions but that doesn't feel like too much because one no, is that feels creation. fine that feels like normal yeah. you know yeah um there's a whole page of like why to play i do why I do like to this. play was the interesting yeah. section you know just yeah. to have you know yeah so number one because the characters are fucking hot that's cool. A lot of this game is just like, it's the apocalypse and it's kind of a movie. So everyone's buff and hot and sometimes they fuck and uh, they kill shit. And I'm like, cool, I'm down. I'm down. Like, let's see how it goes. That's the um, thing. Two, yeah. Because hot as they are, the characters are best and hottest when you put them together. Rivals, lovers, all that stuff. Three, because the characters are together against a horrific world. They're carving out their little space of hope. Uh, four, because they're together, sure, but they're desperate and they're under a lot of pressure. Um, five, because there's something really wrong with the world, and I don't know what it is. The world wasn't always like this, blasted and brutal. Um, there wasn't always a psychic maelstrom, so how do you figure out what to do? That that doesn't really explain to me, like, why I want to play the game. That explains to me, like, but not, it does, but in a way that I, I expected to just be like, why would you play this game versus other games? But this is more of just like, what are you doing when you play the game? Like, right. You know, you're being hot and you're being put into shitty situations and you're seeing if you can find hope in it, you know, and that's cool. I dig it. Like that's I, I like that. That's in the basic section and that's in the basic section. So um, cool rundown of the rules. But it's weird because there are parts of the quote unquote basic section that explain rules better than the sections explaining those rules. And we're so. going to get to the sections and be like, this is worse, actually. <laughs> yeah. uh, another piece of art here. It's a. a buff chick with like a, a short haircut walking out of a, a car holding a, a machine gun dope vibey I, I you know i dig it this is the playbooks are we yeah hey we're hitting this now right i don't have any idea maybe yeah okay um, i mean they're not maybe really just like, like they're just like a short blurb on each one it's Oh, and then, and, then, a, and then it's got and then the, it has yeah, all of them. Yeah. yeah. So why don't we do like just like maybe skip the um the skip narrative the at the top of part and just go with like the italics maybe on each one so we people can explain like the the um the what what the class well, what the archetypes actually are. Also, an interesting thing here is that that short blurb on each one is actually also on the 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 like playbook like a stat page it's really funny it's like written here and then like so you're looking at the angel right now which what page is it on uh 16 it's also on page 23 um, yeah. so so if you're gonna have playbooks in this part i think this is the part you have and you take the actual character sheet playbook and put it in the back and put it in the back totally that makes a lot of sense to me um yeah you want to focus on on one well, let's let's uh, let's focus on one for like actually reading through the character sheet. But do you want to just do like a the the quick maybe like 
mechanical blurb at the end of each one so we just know all of the um all of the archetypes yeah or e- even just say like angels or medics battle waves or this you know what i mean like angels or medics <laughs> yeah yep there we go um, um yeah battle babe is like a like a high social acumen uh warrior you know fighter uh you're a sexy sexy warrior there you go um i don't know what a brainer is what is a brainer spooky weirdos yeah just weird powerful but strange um the chopper um uh, uh, leads a biker gang um which fairly interesting um mm. they're powerful but lots of their powers uh power is external uh, in their gang uh which is a kind of a cool um rule thing that we'll get to um i a little bit skimmed that one i was like oh okay i kind of like the gang yeah it's interesting you know? the ones that have like ingrained power like the chopper and the hard holder that like come with a gang or come with a hold or something like that it's interesting yeah. that you can pick a character that comes with so much as like a base character because clearly there's a, a balance changes you know what i mean it's, it's interesting yeah and i've played another pbta called uh, i've referred to it earlier called broken world and it has very much the same thing it's like each of the character play books is like its own like epic thing and they're a little unbalanced and i kind of feel like this one's like a little unbalanced as well um fuck, fuck balance i mean they, for a game that's like, built I, to be narrative I, I take no issue with that because yeah it's supposed to be narrative right like the character i want to play maybe isn't this powerful gang leader maybe i want to play the next one the driver um mm-hmm. that's like a high mobility driver um you know and vehicles are like a thing here uh very mm-hmm. much so um yeah yeah uh, one of my favorite parts is way at the end <laughs> where it talks about, hey, uh, so someone told me that 50 years after the world ends, gasoline evaporates. Oops, I don't care. Like, pretend it's biodiesel. <laughs> I'm just like, that is the best way to approach that, to just be oh, like, I, I oh, well, agree. it's a game. Yeah, it's I don't a give a shit. Yeah, it I don't need shit. it to be that realistic, so. Yeah. Uh, good um, to know about that 50-year life on gasoline, though. Yeah. Um, yeah, so driver drives, high mobility, mm-hmm. Comes with a vehicle. Um, gun lugger. Um, can you guess what the gun lugger does, Ryan? Uh, they probably g- lug guns, is my I assumption. I will say that I do appreciate the fact that you can read the name of the class and be like, I know what that class does. Um, yeah. yeah. You know, uh, especially for a, a apocalyptic um, yeah. game. Uh, after the gun lugger, we have the hard holder. Um, hard holders are uh, landlords, warlords, or governors. Uh, they have little strongholds. They got a little. Mm-hmm. They got land. Um, and the hocus is a weird culty person that has yeah, more leader, of the, yeah. It has more of the peripheral moves than anybody else. They're pretty much all for the hocus. So yeah, um, yeah. If you want to be a weird supernatural person, cult leader, the hocus for you. Mm-hmm. And of course, it would be in the apocalypse. I mean, yeah, absolutely. Um, the is it the Maestro D? Bro, it broke my brain. I'm like, I I googled Maestro D. I can find nothing called Maestro D. And what kept popping up? It's a Mater D. A Mater D, yeah. Yeah, I don't understand why it's called a Maestro D. I really don't understand. Is it supposed to be like a like a play on like you're a Maestro's and you make things like like you you 
bring a lot of people together and like to like do whatever but like i like i just kept reading his mater d because i was like that's what makes sense it's, mater d is something that runs an establishment um yeah. yeah you pretty much run an establishment and, and i think the the what what they do see here is like it's very much like the hard holder except if you want it to be sexier with fewer obligations um yeah. which like it's, I it, okay cool I yeah get that. i love that Basically, like you run like a like a drug den or a club or a strip or a strip joint yeah. or whatever. But like the hard holder is like basically a fort, so you have to deal with yeah. all the fort shit. But the Mater D, it's like a club. Like if you really just want to like grab the money and run, like who gives a shit? Like that's 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 your thing. I I really dig that there's like the hard holder for someone who wants to like because if you do the hard holder. You're basically like this is not a mobile game. Your whole thing is built around the fort. Yes. But with the with the Mater D, you could like start it like a strip club or whatever, and maybe be able to come back to it. But it doesn't feel like you're tied to it nearly as much. So I, I really like that. I think it's neat. Yeah, I do too. Um, and then the is the savvy head the last one? Uh, no, it's not. There's the skinner after that. Savvy head is your uh, like support tech yeah. person, um, powerful uh, reality bending. Um, yeah, seems cool. And then uh, the Skinner. Uh, Skinners are pure hot. Uh, this is this is your face, you know, your manipulative face character. Um, yeah, yeah. And then we have a list of the basic moves <laughs> right here. Um, for like the very, for, for like the first of like eight times. Yeah, a very great concise list. Um, I actually didn't count the moves. Well, I mean, they're the basic moves, but there's a thousand more. Yeah, so ten. Um, yeah. Ten basic moves. Um, and that's including session end. And they all are kind of like self-explanatory, but we're going to explain them anyway here in a little bit. Mm. Yeah, and then we and have then... the actual, like, mechanical playbooks. Mm -hmm. In a place that I... And on page 22 for, like, 50 pages. It's so weird. Put these in the back. Like... It's... This book is just such it's so weirdly put together in like in a short thing like a zine or whatever, when things are kind of like out of order, it's not a big deal because you're only reading like 30 pages. But yeah. when you're reading 300 pages, having things out of order makes it so hard to parse what's important and what's not. And having things not written in the way that like the, the game flows, like it should be right. the basics, the all the moves harm and healing gear and crap like the things that actually really affect play and then if you want to do like the mc section we'll get to a little bit like right put that like start with the second half of the game that's more about running the game you know what i mean like it's just but it's so interspersed so again chopped up and so many times there's a just randomly a core move is like tucked into a subsection of a subsection it's like yeah anyway um did you want to run through one of these now or maybe like later once we read more about like what's going on? Uh, let's run through uh, the battle babe real quick, because I feel like that okay. was the one we said that we were going to focus on. Um, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. So the character sheet, the playbook, right, starts with all of them. The first page, I think, is exactly the same for all. Um, um, it, it's your basics, like your name, your look, your stats, um, your history. And then it has your character special, so Battle Babe special, um, right under the history. <laughs> pardon me, section. Um, if you, another character has sex, nullify the other character's sex move. Um, whatever it is, just does not happen. That's right. There, sex moves. Yeah. Your special um, move is a sex move. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
And then there's your harm clock, bottom left, uh, and then the improvement section, um, and that's the first page. The yeah. second page. I will, I will say were, real quick, I do what? like on this, um, uh, on the stat section, there's, it lists the moves that are associated with that stat next to the stat. So that does make it a little bit easier when you actually have the playbook in front of you. I agree. To, to kind of associate that. Um, and the little sections to like highlight and whatnot. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, so the second of, is it four pages? The second of the four-page four playbook. It really is like a playbook. Like, you know, it tells playbook, you... Playbook, not a play sheet. Playbook, for yeah, sure. It, it tells you in the first session part, which we'll get to, to have printouts for these. And I'm like, oh, yeah, you most definitely need printouts for each of these because it's unplayable without that. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, so the Battle Babe has the blurb. Um, you read it if you, if you want to, uh, but also get the book. Um, and it has battle babe moves, which are the like specific um, battle babe moves. Um, I don't want to read them. It's dangerous and sexy, ice cold, merciless, uh, merciless visions of death, perfect instincts, and impossible reflexes. Um, yeah, you just—I think you picked like maybe two in character creation. We'll get to that in character I, creation. Yeah, I think it's something yeah. like that. We'll we'll we'll, we'll come back. Um, maybe. Um, and then <clears throat> custom weapons, um, firearms and hand weapons, a little just like a little place to write down your custom weapons, uh, gear and barter section, um, and then a barter section that explains how barter works, which we'll also look at later on in the book. Um, actually, super okay with this being here in the playbook, too. Um, and barter is like an optional thing. Um, if you have a world that doesn't make sense for bartering, there is no bartering, but I do like that it's there. Um, and on the last page of the playbook, you have the creating a battle babe, which arguably maybe not the last page of the playbook. Um, but what do I know? Um, yeah, name stats, uh, gear, uh, look, moves, history. Yeah, it's here. Yeah. yeah. I yeah, why like actually putting it together should be like the first or second page. I agree. So yeah, so I don't know. It's it's just again, it's just weird how this whole thing is put together. But yeah, so it's a four-page character sheet, which is fine because a lot of it is just explaining, um, right? Which I think is really good to have in front of you. Yeah, but honestly, I think it's a strength that part. But here's the thing: is like if you're gonna have this much information here, you know what I would I would chop off this entire barter section, and you know what I would have right here, the section up at the top where it talks about stats and then gives you what the stat is and what move you roll for that stat and what it normally is would fit would literally drop right into this exact amount of space and i would much rather have right in front of me a quick reference to like the moves that i need to do than something like barter right. which is an optional rule yeah i mean they they do have this the moves next to the stats already right yeah, but a little bit of an explain. I mean, if you're going to use this space for something, I would rather have it be for that to give me, a, again, another little little break. Yeah, than, I could again, probably think of another. Rule. There's several other things that you could do with that space. I agree. Um, yeah. yeah, so that's the playbook. Um, I do think the fact that it has explanations for stuff is actually the strongest part of the playbook. Yep. Um, I think its placement in this book is the weakest part. Um, why, yeah. why are they, why are they, why are they, why are there 50 pages of playbooks, like 20 pages Any in, idea. put them at the back of the book, put them at the back <laughs> of the book. Like I get it in the context of like, we're talking about character creation, but like you already have blurbs for what they are. Right. 
this is more of a resource management thing than it is like a necessary thing to read right now. So stick it in the back. Yeah. So yeah, moving forward. I'm, tr I'm trying there. to. I'm, I'm trying I know. To, I'm scrolling down I, too. I'm like, Jesus, what page am I on? Yeah, bookmarks. Here we go. Character creation. There we go. Page 70. Character creation. Um, yeah, so a big thing that's going to say here that it also says um, in, in the first session is that you want to print out the player's reference sheets and put them on a table where everyone can reach them, pass them around. Do, do, do. That should help. Um, um, yeah, uh, print out your play sheets, threat mat, threat sheets, um, all that stuff. Um, oh, yeah, one thing that I do like about this um, is that they're they're kind of like epic characters like there's only one of each you know mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. everyone picks one character and i really like that i i like that there's a little bit of a spread each character is there they're the one that thing you know um i do think it's a strength of this narratively absolutely the part where it's like there's other people that might be healers and someone might call them angel but you're the angel they're not you're the, angel. the you're the angel you know yeah. um yeah. and i like that and i've seen that adapted in a lot of pbta stuff but i'm like oh that's cool you're like you're the sorcerer you know like everyone else maybe uses magic but you're the magic guy um yeah i do dig that uh, it's definitely it definitely feeds into like the the cinematic you yeah, know kind of totally. like totally um the strong point of this um <clears throat> say this first and often um, I can't even remember what this part says, honestly. Um, uh, to the players, your job is to play the characters as though they are real people in whatever circumstances they find themselves uh, cool, competent, dangerous, larger than life, but real. Um, yeah. And then the job as the MC is to be the be world. Everybody else. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, the apocalypse uh, happened 50 years ago. No one really knows. There's a psychic maelstrom. Um, stats. Have you all heard about stats yet? <laughs> For the second time. Yeah. Actually, I think this is the third time um, because we skimmed through at the end of the playbook section. It actually has stats again um, and basic moves um, on page like uh, 66 or something like that. Um, yeah. Stats are here. Um, one other thing it does add here is that like they usually they'll cap out at minus three or plus three. You don't go higher or lower than that. Um, and that they can occasionally get an extra point, I guess, just circumstantially. Um, yeah. Um, basic move, introducing basic moves. Um, which is the second or third time it's referred to, but this is not the basic move section because that's yeah, coming we, up. And we can do we we can and we look can at just, it in the basic move section. Well, we'll get there. Um, there are special moves. Um, there's character moves, which are like character specific. Um, uh, vehicles and prosthetics. Um, when you're creating a vehicle, um, it basically gives you um, a, a list of frames to pick, which will affect the stats. Um, a, a list of strengths, which are a bunch of tags. A list of looks, which are a bunch of tags. A list of weaknesses, which are a bunch of tags. And then battle options, which are according on your frame, um, you basically get like some pluses um, for whatever frame you pick. Like if you pick 
um, a compact vehicle. It gets two battle options, and you pick two of these. You can just pick the same one twice and to level up. So you can be like, yeah, I have a fucking fast as fuck buggy, bro. I got plus two speed. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and then what's great is uh, it talks about vehicles and prosthetics here, but then when we get to gears and crap, we once again talk about vehicles and prosthetics, but explained in a, a different way with some of the stuff you need and some of the stuff that you don't need. Perfect. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's um, specialized vehicles because one of the character classes is, is like the my other car is a tank, which gives you special options. Um, then there's pro, uh, creating prosthetics, which is the same as as the vehicle essentially. It's a bunch of, it's a bunch of tags. Um, yeah, and then setting expectations, which is just talking to your character, your player characters, your PCs, and setting expectations, um, which is great. It's, it's like you should, you should do that. This is the part that, like, I think now would just be like use safety tools, you know? Yeah, have sex, sex moves. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, um, there's that, and then introduction. Uh, I, 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 I will go say, I will around say, and introduce your character thing. And... I will say to, to wind back just a little bit to the last one, like this is exactly what I'm talking about. There's like 10 bullet points, but like some of them are like talking about rules. And then the very next one is literally like, like randomly like asking a question if it's a player and randomly like talking as if you're the MC. It's just like, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. hey, see where it says this or whatever. It literally says, this is what the, the, the book actually says. Hey, see where it says you have oddments worth three barter or whatever? Is there some medium exchange you all like? It's literally being like, you should talk this way. But then it also talks that way back to you. It's just such a weirdly. Um, just uh, Hey, I don't know you like that, buddy. <laughs> talk to me like a yeah. book. Um, right. Yeah. Um, and then there's, you know, the introduction, which is going around circle and introducing your characters. Um and there's a little bit more uh, introduction than you, some games that I would run because the history is a, a stat here. Um, and that's actually, I think the next section is is history. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and so your player character basically goes around in a circle and decides is it whether or not that character, they trust them or don't trust them, and they give themselves a bonus or a negative to their history. Mm -hmm. um, which I think is really interesting. It's cool to go around and be like, huh, that's an interesting character. My character wouldn't trust that guy very much, you know? Yeah. Well, it's not even just on trust, too. It's a, it's also on, like, how well you know the people just in general. Mm. So it's like, I, we, we've we been in a gang forever. Let's add a plus one. Or, like, I just met you, and I don't like you, so we're going to do a minus one, you know? Yeah. Very cool. You yeah. leverage that later on, which we'll get to when we ever, whenever we get to uh moves yeah crazy um oh yeah and here's highlighting stats i don't know how oh, i missed this part because yeah. i actually did not read this highlighting stat section yep. um yeah. yeah this is like the third or fourth this is one of the three or four instances that we'll talk about highlighting stats but in a completely different way than two of the other ones yeah you go around the table one last time each player finds the character her character knows best um or the highest history on their own sheet. Um, and then that character says which stat is most interesting to her and highlights. Mm -hmm. Well, that's so that's important through through the entire thing with the highlighting the stats. Like yeah. as you build your histories with people, like at the beginning of each section, like if I know history, if I have the most history with you, you pick a stat for me to right. highlight. 
and then the MC the also MC picks, a picks another so one. Everyone gets two every session, and then you mark experience whenever you roll the stat that was highlighted. So that's literally how you you um, advance or, or improve in the entire game is by rolling for the stats that other people highlighted so if i want to be like well i feel like i want you to be hard today like i check hard Whoa. for you right um but if it's like well i feel like you want to be cool and then mc could also be like well i think we're going to be doing a lot of cool stuff today and i want you to improve so i'll mark cool for you it's really interesting because even in the example of play we'll talk about later it literally says hey like it says that you can literally ask like hey can you highlight this stat for me and i'm like if you're getting to a point where you're asking someone to highlight the stat just pick your own fucking stats to highlight yeah but it also then says the mc goes nah i'll highlight this one instead and it's just like well like then what are we doing you know <laughs> what are we fucking doing yeah. um so the next section is the Master of Ceremonies, which, again, I don't understand why this is here. I don't understand why this is, like, the third or fourth thing. This is literally, like, a whole chapter on, like, directly written for the MC, the Master of Ceremonies, which is basically your GM. Um, I think my issue is that immediately after this, we have the first session section, which should, in fact, be in this section. Like, yeah. with the, like... That's yeah. what I'm saying. Like, the book really needs to be parsed into, like, a Master of Ceremonies section, which is, like, half of it because you're literally talking specifically to the Master of Ceremonies, the MC, and a player section. But why is the entire, like, MC section in the middle of what the players need, both before and after it? The sections are just poorly, 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 poorly put together. Poorly. Um, again, when a book is shorter, it doesn't matter as much because it's not as hard to get to those things but when it's 300 pages it really matters because you have to get through all those pages to get to the other stuff so the master of ceremonies quick breeze through this mc that is apocalypse world's gm there's a million ways to gm apocalypse worlds calls for one way in particular this chapter is it follow these as rules the whole rest of the game is built on this so it says you have to read this section and play it exactly like this which is so weird to me as far as like ttrpgs go to be like this is how it has to be so your agenda, make Apocalypse World seem real, make the players' characters' lives not boring, and play to find out what happens. And then there's so much talking, so much talking, in such an extraordinarily conversational way. It's just, it makes it it makes it makes difficult to not, again, bounce off of this. Um, don't pre-plan a storyline. It says, don't do any of that, but then there's so much prep that it talks about doing, and, like, so much yeah. other uh, things to do. So it's, it's weird, kind of like, don't do this, but, like, kind of do it a little bit, you know? Play to find out what happens. Um, always say these things. What the principles demand, um, what the rules demand, what your prep demands, and what honesty demands. This is a section that's, I think, put together a little bit better than other sections, even though I think there's too much talking, because at the very least, the important things are bolded at the top of the sections. That you is know? nice. So that is nice. So Apocalypse Worlds divides a conversation up in a strict and pretty traditional way. Player's job is to say what the characters say. Um, first and exclusively to say what the characters think, feel, and remember. Secondly, um, answer questions. Your job as MC is to say everything else. Everything about the world, blah, blah, blah. You're the MC. Always be scrupulous, generous um, with the truth. Um, play, play, play the game. Don't hide shit from people. Give people. Be a fan of the players. Do all of that. Um, that's what it basically says. And then it has the principles. There's a lot of principles here. Um, barf forth apocalyptica. Okay. Address yourself to the characters, not the players. I do like some of these principles. I think they're really good. Make your move, but misdirect. Make your move, but never speak its name. 
Look through crosshairs. Name everyone. Make everyone human. Ask provocative questions and build on the answers. Respond with fuckery and intermittent rewards. Be a fan of the player's characters. Think off-screen too. Sometimes disclaim decision-making. So, um, barf forth apocalyptica just means be very narrative with everything that you're doing. Like, make, make them make the world feel real. Uh, address yourself to the characters, not the players. I really like this. If you want people to engage more more with um the game narratively address their player don't say hey hunter what are you doing say hey billy Bo, you know mishnuggins what are you doing which is so exactly you, the name i pick yeah which is why which would encourage you to respond as your player which will keep people in the narrative more it's a great rule to have for all tabletop role-playing games because you are role-playing um so that's a good one make your move but misdirect i don't mind this one it's fine it basically says like um do stuff, but then do other stuff. So you have real world reasons for picking a move, but then the, the consequences and things that come from that move um, should always create more. Um, make your move, but never speak its name. I like that too. So if there's a move called announce future badness, don't say, okay, so now I'm going to announce future badness. Of course, you're not going to do that. You are the narrative. So like you should really play as if you're the narrative. Don't let the mechanical side of the MC side, like, overtake the the game because again the way you write a game but also the way that you run a game will encourage people's style of play so if all you're doing is saying move names that'll encourage people to say move names back to you you know um look through crosshairs basically it says start making start with everything being a threat like always you know that might not always be what you eventually do but um uh look at it that way to start it's apocalypse world shit's fucked up so think about burning it down, blowing it up, or burying it in a poison ground. Um, and then if that's not the right thing to do, peel it back a little bit. Um, name everyone. Make everyone human. I do like this section. It's too fucking wordy. But it basically says, mm -hmm. like, NPCs are a huge chunk of the world. So make those NPCs feel real. And it also says um, NPCs are just not that complicated. If you have some dude who's evil just because they feel like being evil, that's fine. Like, not every NPC in the world needs to have a, a novel as a backstory. Just make them be what they are because it's much easier to engage in a tabletop role-playing game when you're really engaging with what amounts to like archetypes as opposed to like these very deep people for for important npcs obviously have more depth to them but not every single person in the world needs to have that but every single person in the world should have something is what it really says and it also talks about these pc npc pc like triangles whether it's a love triangle or not there's a really good example here where it talks about um the um uh, at some point about a uh, one character wanting an NPC for one thing and another character wanting the NPC for a different thing and the interactions that can come um, PC versus PC when they're right. both vying for the same thing, um, but for for different reasons. So that's a, that's a really cool thing to do is those triangles. Ask provocative questions. Build on the answers. That's self-explanatory. It explains a lot, though. Respond with fuckery and intermittent rewards, as in fuck around with, not fuck over. Um, this is when you barf, barf apocalyptica onto someone's answer, um, but do it all the time. And then how about an example? I, again, there's just so much writing about this very casual, over-explainy, like, here's just examples throughout. And I like that there's examples throughout, but, like, they're so scattered that it makes it so unconcise and difficult to parse every time. When it's like, I just, I just want to know what the rule says. Um, and you have to read through so much to get to it. Please um, just tell me the rule. <laughs> be a fan of the players. And this is the MC section. So this is the part that I don't, I don't mind 
over explaining the mc right. section i like examples of play this is a part where all of that should be the problem is this is how the entire book is written like when you're explaining a rule just please just start at the very least with giving me the rule and then explain too much if you really feel the need to but in the mc section i'm fine with this but that means so much of this book just like in blades of the dark should have been shunted off of the rule section and then just put into the mc section you know um, be a fan of the player's characters. Obviously, you should always be that. If you're adversarial, this is, this ain't the fucking 80s. Don't be a fucking douche. Uh, think off-screen too. Um, Self-explanatory. Sometimes disclaim decision-making. In order to find out what happens, you'll need to pass decision-making off sometimes, which I do I do find interesting. And one of the things I do like about PBTA, um, put it into the NPC's hands, put it into the player's hands, create a countdown, um, make it a stakes question. So basically, you don't always have to make every decision. Make the decision something that needs to be interacted with, something that needs to be determined by the players or by other people. Um, basically don't make major decisions if you don't have to put it into other mechanics or people so that the decision always feels like it comes from the players um and then another breakdown of all of the um another list of all the principles i i don't mind some repetitiveness but it literally starts the chapter and is a chapter with the same list i think it's hard because there's already been so much repetition that even when even in the place where maybe the repetition has value it's like you're kind of tired <laughs> you're kind of tired of it already like oh so fuck, tired of come it on, man. <laughs> then there's a whole list of gm moves separate them capture someone put someone in a spot trade harm for harm announce off-screen badness announce future badness inflict harm take away their stuff make them buy activate their stuff downside tell them the possible consequences ask an opportunity with or without a cost turn them turn the move back on them make a throw move after every move what do you do so much of this this is this is Often throughout, I was like, that's not a move. I don't understand. But this is a part where I'm like, these aren't moves. Some of these are just principles. Like, I don't like there was such an emphasis on like the creation of this idea of moves that I feel like it's just too much. Like, I think I think it started yes. really good and it went way too fucking far. Not everything is a move, but they make everything a move in here. And it yeah. makes it hard when you want to do something that's not necessarily a move because you feel like there's so many moves everything is a move so you have to figure out how it's a move you know yeah, we've, we've talked about this with other games especially 5e it's just like you, when you create the box they're gonna color within the lines you know like yeah. they're not really gonna step outside of the lines because you've written it in a way that like even me playing a pbta i'm like oh i'm looking for the moves to do you know um it's and that's the thing and the gm i i guess it's a little bit you know because the gm's play does need to be a little bit more structured because you're running the game so i don't mind the moves as much for that but when and i like the moves for special stuff i like moves for powers and things like that but for basic shit when you have 10 basic moves you're like well everything must fall into a basic move then so quick run through of 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 the gm's basic moves announce off-screen badness okay that you're announcing uh, no examples of your moves separate them okay you separate them capture someone you capture them but here's the other thing about the moves right is that in the players moves there's always like a seven to nine like 10 plus like six or less but in the gm moves quote unquote moves it's not it's really just like an option of something that you can do narratively yeah so 
I guess calling it a move because, but that that then also makes your brain go, wait, but are moves like this or moves like that? And it's different because it's a GM and player, but it still makes it more difficult to parse trying to understand the game. Um, these, but this list of moves is a good thing for anyone to just write down for any game because these are all just like cool narrative points that you can use in your game. Separate someone, capture someone, put someone in a spot, trade harm. Um, there's a section later in the harm section where it talks about trading harm and how that works. Inflicting harm. Also, there's a section later talking about that. Take away their stuff. That's a great. A lot of these are really just like choice mechanics. You know, I, I, a lot Absolutely. of these I've read from Source of Victory where it breaks down a lot of this stuff and like creating player choice, create narrative, do things that way. So taking away their stuff is a great one. Separating people is a great one. Make them buy. So if they need something, encourage them that they have to go buy it. Then they have to go to a whole different area and encourage, you know, people's um, barter and stuff. Activate their stuff downside. So a cursed item, make it cursed, you know, make the curse pop in. Um, tell them possible consequences. I do like that where it's like, are you sure you really want to do that? This is what's going to happen. And they're like, actually, no, I don't want to. Offer an opportunity with or without cost. Turn their move back on them or make a threat move. And we'll get to that later. So those are all the things you can do as a GM. Obviously, you can do more, but those are cool breakdowns. I Again, I don't mind that section for moves in here. I just like the basic moves. Um, rules and prep. The game's rules give you things to say. Yep, they do. Um, and then there's a whole section on a few more things to do, which is just a, a section that I just don't like... These aren't principles or moves. They're just good practice, and I recommend them. Then don't put them like then don't put them here. Or like I just don't understand. Like in the MC section again, I don't mind this nearly as much. It's basically just like. But again, you you get to parts in here where it's like I don't think this is a section yet, but it literally goes in my home game. I usually do this. Then just say to do that. Like, people can parse that they, if it doesn't work for them, that's fine. You know, you know, it's whatever. And then and then and then and then we get to the first session. First session, um, you know, this is a, it's basically like a session zero, almost like it is that's, a session zero. That's all it is. Yeah, it's it's session zero. It's well, well, yeah. Well, so the first session, yeah, is character creation. Yeah, yeah, it's character creation, and it's also time for you as the MC to prep based on what your player characters pick as their characters. Um, you do the history thing. Did I take notes on the section? Look at me. I didn't. Um, it literally says, in my, do, in my notes, it says summarize for a session. It says summarize for a session. And then it's blank. <laughs> I, you know, I had a hard time reading this book because there's so much conversation. So I really did jump around like quite a bit. Mm -hmm. um uh but yeah um there's this weird part like during the first section session where it's like you tell them like okay your setup's easy and you're dumb but now i gotta sit here and set up a couple of you groaned um i don't this is exactly what i'm talking about like why like, do we what, what the fuck are we doing there <laughs> they're literally they literally wrote into the book like an extremely casual conversation between mcs and players but not in like a like an example of how the first session might run it's literally just written in so like the rules and things you're supposed to do are suddenly like interspersed with like random quotations of like casual conversation and then like yeah. 
uh, like I just don't like uh, exactly what you said. A couple of you groaned. I could hear you from way over here. Oh, great, getting to know the characters. That's a recipe. It's so it's like, I it's 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 like a, it's like a um uh, it's like fucking Jack Kerouac like fucking inner monologue. This isn't like Tropic of Capricorn. Like it feels like it feels like just almost like um. Uh, what's it called when you just like blah? You're trying to thought down on a paper. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, it's like a it's a writhing activity. It's um, you know, people out there know what we're saying, but basically yeah. that's what it feels like. It feels like they were just like writing, and they're like, oh, sometimes they'll say this, da 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 da. Like it's just so like there's a uh, too much technical writing is bad, but not enough is just as bad. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And it talks about like, you know, it's your job as the as the MC to create this like fractured, tilting landscape of inequalities, um, PC and PC, PC triangles, all that, all that uh, good stuff. Um, uh, yeah, um, after that's uh, first and always do everything. Uh, first and always do everything it says to do in the master of starting my chapter. Do all of it. Do this is crucial. Let's just follow the characters around for a day in Apocalypse World. That's automatically dangerous. It's automatically a bad day. Um, I think I disagree with that. Um, I mean, I'm I don't know. Um, yeah, just because it's the first session, uh, whatever. You're still actually playing the game. The, the thing about this tone of like, yeah, whatever, you know, it makes me internally also feel like, yeah, whatever, I guess. You know what I mean? Like, they're not taking this shit seriously. Like, I'm not fucking taking it seriously. Um, yeah. You know, and I know we joke about longer books. I read Lancer. Um, so it's not that just that this is a long book, you know? It's just... It's the way it's... It's just the way it's, it's the written. It's the way it's written. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, MC, uh, MC the game, bring it, especially do these, um, which are, I think, exactly the MC um, things. Right, yeah. Uh, Barforth, Apocalyptica, Springboard of Character Creation. Ask questions all the time. Good, good stuff. I think there's good. There's definitely good stuff in here. Um, and it's going to go and give us a description of all of those things that we just uh, that are in that list. Um, I and a lot of this is a recap of the previous section. Kind of. I mean, it's basically going through like GM principles and stuff um, until yeah, you get to the part. And there's, a, it, there's a little bit of divergence or there's a little couple of different things, but like it still is very referential to that previous. Um, yeah. Yeah. Until you get to the part at the end where it talks about the threat map, which I'm like, I don't. The very next section is threats. So I don't understand why there's literally like two pages mm. in the first section session that talk about the threat map. And if you notice, the example threat map that's in the first session section is the exact same example threat map that is almost immediately used in the threat section. So once again, why are they in both parts? Why are they explained differently in both parts? And like, what's like, I don't understand why it's not like work on the threat map. See the threat map section. Like there's just like three pages we don't need when we're seeing them again in like it 10 pages. It is really interesting. It's literally, I mean, it's immediately after. Immediately. Yeah. So, I mean, we need to talk about threats when we get to the threat section, but I just don't understand why that's in the first session section. Like, I, it just makes. I think referring to it and being like, hey, like work on threats and maybe a couple of notes, but hey, see more in one page. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's just, yeah. it's, it's, it's just really, 
it is what it is. So um, after the first section, once again, it's like really weird tone, not like immediately after. Give it some time to sink in. Um, that's literally like, a quote for, that, that's a quote from the book. Not like I know, immediately. <laughs> what? What? Um, I don't know. Um, like, I yeah, felt like they were uh, like, I felt like they were like maybe trying to go for some type of like character thing. But it literally just feels like the creator just like again, like just like i can't remember what it's called just like just just spewing forth like a train of thought yeah. onto the page and they literally just wrote in such a casual way like you remember the part where we talked about earlier or whatever uh do that thing like that could be a quote in this book yeah after it basically says after the first section to just go back over the session in your head and review things that happen and create new threats and like npc and like forward think um mm-hmm. which is great advice to put in the maestro um the mc the, uh section weird that it's in in this section well this is for the mc which then why not just put that all up into the mc section that's, that's what i'm saying it is for yeah. the mc but why? yeah yeah uh-huh yeah. uh-huh uh-huh like here's the thing uh, is like, mc uh first session and threats that so those three sections are all mc stuff and then we get to moves which is general like we should have taken moves and boosted them all up. This should actually be at the towards the end of the book. With all the, of it should with, be at the end. Yeah. yeah. MC section, threat section, um, playbooks, like all of that. Like there needs to be a really big separation between stuff players need and stuff MC needs. But again, it feels like the MC stuff is like stuffed right in the middle of the sandwich of what the player needs, which forces yeah. the player to read the whole fucking book. Like, I don't know. All right, uh, getting to threats. Let's cruise through threats real quick. Um, they're, they're, they are. They are threatening. That is it. There's a whole page here just talking about creating threats and doing threat stuff. Um, there are essential threats. Um, and uh, among the threats you create after the first and second sections, be sure to create your th- essential threats. They are um, for where the PCs are created as a landscape. For any PC gangs, create them as brutes. For any NPCs and other NPCs, create them as brutes. Um we'll get to that in a section again it's it's whatever so to create a threat choose this name name it and copy it um copy over its impulse describe it and list its cast if any place it on the threat map if it's in motion mark its direction with an arrow uh list its stakes questions if any if it's connected to other threats list them and if it calls for a custom move or countdown create it so there's a threat sheet here um which basically gives like what it's called, what kind it is, what its impulse is, what its description and cast is, the stakes, written down for custom moves, its countdown clock, and then like a little mini version of the threat map, which I'll get to in a second, about like where it might be and whatnot. And there are seven kinds of threats. There are warlords, grotesques, afflictions, brutes, landscapes, terrain, and vehicle. Those are the different kinds of threats you can have on the threat map. Warlords are exactly what warlord sounds like. They're dictators, slavers, all those kind of things. They are the the bad combaty people. Um, and then there's a whole list of threat moves that warlords can do. Um, push the battle moves, outflank someone, attack someone directly. Huge. There's like ten things for each one. I'm not going to go through all of them. Just going to go through like examples. That's exactly what it is. Warlords act primarily through their people. Okay. Grotesques are always human. It says they're always a person. Um, not a monster, but they are now grotesque, like cannibals, mutants, and things like that. There's a whole list of threat moves uh, for them. There's afflictions, which are diseases, conditions, and things like that. Once again, there's a whole list of threat moves for them. 
Uh, brutes are uh, a group of people with or without a leader acting in crude, uh, perhaps provisional concert. So hunting packs, things like that. List of threat moves for brutes. There's landscapes, which is natural or constructed landscape. Um, you choose the kind. There's prisons, breeding pits, furnaces, mirages. A list of threat moves for those. There's terrain, which is a precipice, a wall, an overhang, something in the way. I don't understand really. Uh, terrain is a little different than landscape, I think, because landscape is more of like kind of specific places in the land, like specifically like a fortress, a maze, a prison. Terrain is more like... Um, I said a wall, a precipice, things like that. So um, the names can be a little bit confusing on that one. There's vehicles, which we talked about before. There's different types of vehicles. And once again, a huge list of threat moves that you can do with vehicles. I don't, I, I don't, again, for the MC section on threats, I don't mind this because it really breaks down like what you can do in like an interesting way. So like, you know that for vehicles, that they're vicious um, and uh, the, a move is swerve across the road though. So it's like, Okay, it, it really is just saying narratively all the different things you can do. So again, it makes moves uh, feel like they can be pretty much anything. Um, threat moves. <laughs> um, Foundational cornerstone of this game, anything's a move. <laughs> yeah. Uh, pushing a move just means saying, for instance, hey, this is a charged situation. I think somebody should read it. Who wants to? Or he's acting kind of weird. Don't you think? Want to read him? Or... There are like 50 of them roaring and swinging their meat knives and rushing a car. Do you want to fight or hold your position or ditch out or what? Like, but so that really didn't explain to me what pushing is at, at, at all. And that's really one of the first and only times they really talk about pushing. Like, pushing the role means, or pushing a move means this is more than just a regular situation and more than just regular shit needs to happen from it. Right? Um, yeah, I'm trying to see. Hold on, I have another PBTA game open at the same time, and I know there is pushing in this one. Where is it? Push. Look at that. It's got it's a it's a couple paragraphs, and it's got a bolded top. <laughs> when you attempt something particularly, yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. <laughs> right. Yeah. It, it's again like it's just. All the rules are so conversationally written into the thing that it, it, they're at no point are they pulled out and explained in any meaningful way. It's more just like ranted at you. And you're, you're, you should somehow in these two pages, by the context of the rant, understand it. It's, it's also funny because like it, this one page has a one bolded thing, which just is almost out of context. And it's just a weird bolded thing. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm so used to... The first time we go through a game, I'll skim it and I'll read everything that's bolded because usually that's like the core mechanics. And this one was like, display the contents of a grotesque heart. I'm like, what the fuck are we talking yeah, about? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> there, There is no nothing about the way this game is written that gives you the important parts as if they're important. Like the only things that are bolded in the entire thing are moves. Every move in this game is freaking bolded. Like that's really it but not the rules. They're not even italicized. They're very rarely separated into parts that are more parsable. It's just like, again, pushing is an important thing. And it's just randomly at the beginning of like a, like a, a page here, but no, no real explanation. Almost immediately just goes into some examples, but no real explanation like at all. Like, I don't know. I mean, it, it, the, the game is explained through a series of conversational examples, not through any technical jargon, like pretty much at all is what it comes down to. 
So it's all supposed to be just contextual understanding. So an editor and a dev editor an that editor. does a little bit more technical writing yes. would have been really good for this. Because I'm, I'm, I'm getting to the point where we're just like, we're skipping stuff. I'm leaving here. Description and cast. You describe stuff. Like, describe the stakes. Like, I mean, so the threat map is an important pit here. I don't mind the threat map. I think it's kind of interesting. I don't think... Eh, it, it, it's interesting. So, and, and countdown clocks. Custom moves. Um, I thought we would get to the, the threat map... Um, Oh, example threat maps. Again, this is the exact same threat map as mm -hmm. what's under the first session section, literally like in the previous section. So um, when you look at the threat map, because that is an actual core part of the game that should be explained a little bit better, uh, you mark the map, um, you mark in the map the threat's location and if it's moving in its direction. So the innermost circle is the PCs, their gangs are holding their vehicles. Then there's like a second of uh, the first ring is threats that are near the PCs. The outer ring is threats that are at and past the PC's horizons. And then there's notional threats, which are rumors, fears, like here be monster section or whatever. Um, and then marked on the map, there is north, south, east, west. So it's actually like physically what's on the map. Um, but then there's also U and D, which is up and down for threats above and below the characters. Okay, okay. There's I, which is inside for threats within local landscapes and populations like cults, diseases, and the parasites. And there's O, which is outside for threats originating in the world, psychic maelstrom, or even elsewhere. There's too many of those things. When we get to tags, when we start talking about like in minus one, inside plus this, like it's just like it created all of this stuff that could be better explained through other things. Like, like That's I don't. So weird. It is so bizarre. Like I think conceptually, I like the threat map. Like until you add the iudo like i'm like you know making a map and like ha having a threats like mapped out and like where they are in relation to you and like moving towards or away i'm like very cool and you're like yeah yeah then that part and you're like i'm i'm out so yeah dude as soon as i think they just wanted to fill in the parts of like the the thing because if you if you on the same map have directions and which threats are Right. But interspersed between those directions, you have these like kind of like conceptual ideas like diseases or things like that. Like what if what if something's northeast of me? Oh, no, it's only sorry. It's only north or east of you. Like there is That's no northeast. So yeah. you, you have a, both a directional map and a conceptual map in the same space. So I yeah, don't so you, like you think it, divided up. You could see two threat maps being cool, like a. I think either either have two threat maps, right? right? Or for like use a threat map as an actual map. Okay. So like keep your locations on there and then keep the circles be the things that are important. But these like conceptual bits like um like uh local landscapes and and threats originating from psycho psychic maelstrom and things like that, things that are up or down or whatever, just put a list underneath. Yeah. Just do one, two, three, four underneath the map for the things that aren't actually location based. And if it is a location based thing, like the cult is to the north and it's outside, then put it there. But, but if it's, it's something not that, northwest. Like, so just right, that's <laughs> I don't I don't like this overlay of both conceptual and and physical in the same map when it, it's it's weird because it can cross into both just either just have two separate maps one for more conceptual one for more uh, location based or just put it underneath because there is a list of things underneath the threat maps when you actually go down to the threat map um, or you don't even need to do that really because you can actually just number the threats and and um and write it on their little threat card 
right? Because you're supposed to put a little dot where that threat is. But again, like to me, the threat map is a physical location map, and that's the what works better in my brain. But when you actually look on the thing here, so the other thing that's interesting about the example map, right? Do you see anything written in up, down, in, or out? <laughs> there's the one thing in in, right? One, there's like one thing written on one example for like what's out. It says angels hunting pack. So uh, like, and the in and out isn't like, so it's just like, okay, but there's nothing written on up, down or any of these. So it's like you put it on the map and then in none of the explanations, like none of the examples are any of those sections even actually used except for one, which is used. The same thing is used twice on two different examples. So it's just like, you don't even give an example of like how those things are really applicable, but there's like an, I wonder section underneath. So like, why wouldn't there just be like conceptual or like things to keep track of, or like, you know, outsider threats or, or whatever, like this disease is present, you know, like it just doesn't make sense to me that like you create this thing, put these two random like things together and then don't even give examples when the whole thing is based on conceptual examples. So I'm countdown clocks. I'm going to go through countdown clocks and then we're just going to start skipping the rest of this book because I just can't. Um, so countdown clocks. I don't like the way these work. I like clocks. Yeah, I got it. Um, and then um, the uh, so the way countdown clocks work, I don't even think they're explained here. We, I think we can just get to it later. They're not even like like. No, this isn't even the part. So it kind of explains countdown clocks a little bit around the clock notes. Things will happen before nine o'clock. That thing's coming, but preventable. So this is countdown clocks in the context of like um, as the threat's approaching, but like not in the way that like HP works or anything like that. Right. Um, I don't mind the way it works, but I also don't I don't need like the numbers on them. Like I like clocks written out more like tracks kind of like the way Necronalis does. Like if I want, if in eight, in eight rounds, something's going to happen, I'll make an eight round clock and mark a segment off each time. It's really, I don't know. I, I don't necessarily like the way clocks work in this, but we're not going to talk about them right now. So that's the end of threats, uh, moves snowball. This is a whole huge section that just says that when you do a move, sometimes it triggers another move that triggers another move. That's okay. literally the whole thing. That that could literally just be like a tiny paragraph. That's it. Instead, it's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven pages to just be like sometimes moves triggers other moves. That happens. You can have a series of moves. This like I want to love this game. The core mechanics of it, like the PBTA style game, is like my favorite game. But reading this book, it it just it's breaking my brain. And it's so frustrating. Oh, hey, because sorry, there are no core mechanics. Do not make something PBTA. Just by the way, <laughs> it just it hurts my soul. Like I, that's what's so frustrating. Same thing with Blades in the Dark, where it's just like I feel like there's such a good system mixed into just such a bad book, and it just. It's really, really frustrating because and it's also so hard to sit and read like like both of us. And this isn't, you know, terrible ADHD. So like having to sit down and like really force yourself to try to parse something, it, it makes it so frustrating and it just builds up this hate in me so that like I might love something. But the like the way that it's like communicated to me makes me just hate it. You know, and it's hard. Yeah, I. I it's weird because like right now I'm for fun reading like the Stormlight Archives by Brandon Sanderson, which are like full hundred page densely packed books. And I have a fine time reading those, you know, and I've read Lancer and I really enjoyed it. And I've read Broken Worlds, which is another fairly thick PBTA book. And I really like that. I don't like how this one's written. So I'm not going to blame my ADHD on this one. 
I think physically the way that um last classic that we did help me on blank blades uh oh blades my God. the one that the way that physically was written also was just hard for me to break up this one has a lot more space and it's a lot more like like breathing room i just don't like i just didn't like reading it um no, no. i just I, I want to we keep going over these like classics right that yeah. so many systems are built on Right. We did. We're doing Apocalypse Road now. We did Blades in the Dark. We did Black Hack. And just every time I feel like we just get to the, the progenitor of these like massive trees of games within our system and they just don't like the original game. And a lot of it just comes down to like how it's communicated. And it's yeah. just frustrating. You know, and it makes me also go, you know what? Like there's a maybe there's a reason that there's like 50 BBTA games and I've never heard of someone playing Apocalypse World. You know what I mean? Like hey. I've never heard someone say Black Hack, but I've seen a lot of Black Hack hacks. So yeah. You know, um, yeah. Anyway, PC versus PC. It happens. Like, guess what? It all works the same as everything else. That's that's basically all it says. Um, then we get to the basic moves. OK, so we're talking about 136 pages in. We're actually going to finally talk about the what amounts to the core mechanic of the entire game. And the fourth time, fifth time, sixth times it's mentioned and yeah. written in a different way than every other time. Yeah, it actually has explanation, which we're not going to read all the explanation for everything because we don't need no. every use case for everything. But no. so basic moves. This is a partial success system. Um, oh, yeah, I thought I was doing basic moves. Go for it. Oh, I just didn't read snowball moves because I read all the text. I saw all the text and I was like, no. Um, <laughs> but um, basic moves. Um, yeah, it's you roll 2d6 plus stat. Um, and, it, you know, Six or less miss, seven or more hit, seven to nine weak, ten plus strong, right? That partial success system. Um, the first basic move is act under fire. Uh, it's basically when you do something when you're in a high pressure situation, you're gonna roll plus cool. Um, that's it, you know, under fire, fire is anything when you're under pressure. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. <laughs> Yeah, that's act under fire. Yeah, perfect. But then, but then there, like, so the the core mechanic of all of this comes down to like the mixed success aspect of it. So, right. on a ten plus, you do it. On a seven to nine, you flinch, hesitate, or stall. The MC can offer you a worse outcome, a hard bargain, or an ugly choice. On a miss, be prepared for the worst. So every move has the the stat that you roll, and then it has what happens on a ten plus, on a seven to nine, and on a complete failure. Some of them have like. A list pick, of things that you can get. Um, yeah, pick three, pick two, pick one. Yeah. 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 Um, and I have seen that used in other ways that I liked. And I um, <clears throat> Moving on I to like the it. Next. Here's the thing is like, I like that. That core right there is yeah. my favorite. It is yeah. mixed success. But the way I like PBTA is like World of Dungeons. Because what I want, right, is... You roll a stat, right? Mm -hmm. You got seven to nine. So now there's a you hit, but there's a complication. And I come up with a complication based on the narrative that's happening and we move forward. Yeah. Yeah. That that's that that's it. But you don't need a list of ten ways in order to be to choose which stat you're gonna roll. And I don't necessarily need a huge like list of the possible pick twos, pick ones, pick threes. I like that, but I like that in the context of like 
um, there's a, a Powered by the Apocalypse written by somebody else section later where it's like casting a spell. And it's like, dope, okay, here's here's what I want from a move is like when there is some type of like, like a power being used or a special being used, something that in that specific instance requires more, that's cool. What I hate are these basic moves where it's just like, okay, like I want to just do some shit and it's like, okay, that sounds like uh, you're doing it cool. So right. roll cool and then see what happens. But like the list of basic moves funnels all narration into 10 it plot really points. It really does. It tells you exactly how to play this game. This, these yeah. are the boxes. These are the lines that you're coloring inside yeah. of. It's too much structure for the basic moves of the game. For advanced moves, uh, for peripheral moves, for other things like that, I don't mind. It's but too for much these structure for their apparent intent behind this. Yeah. Um, and yet somehow still not enough structure when writing this down. Um, <laughs> okay, so our next move is go aggro. Um, when you go aggro on someone, you're going to roll plus hard. Uh, on the 10 plus, um, they have to choose one. Uh, force your hand and suck it up. Cave and do what you want. On a 7 to 9, they can choose one of the above or one of the following. Get the hell out of your way barricade themselves securely in uh give you something they think you want or tell you what uh, what you want to hear um yeah and i must be prepared, prepared for the worst I, yeah it, this is a weird one the list is weird um, so i mean but that that the going aggro one is kind of the like the standard for the most part like example of the rest of the moves where it's like right. You because it but it also is weird because it says on a 10 plus they have to choose one. So you go yeah, aggro they, on someone, they they pick yes. one of those things. Yeah. Which so weird. you're basically the moves feel like scripts to me. That's what it feels like. Yeah. Where it's like I can't just do what I want because <clears throat> as soon as I trigger a move, it's all scripted out for me. Like including yeah. the snowball thing. And you do this, which triggers this, which trigger this. It feels, you know what it feels like? It feels like a choose your own adventure book suddenly totally. as opposed to playing a game, you know, where it's just <laughs> like as soon as the move triggers, you're just along for the ride. And maybe you get to make a few choices, but eventually it rolls out the end. And it's like to me, I think the 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 like the trying to get rid of the paralysis of choice comes down to having no choice at all. Like, maybe you get to pick one or two things every now and then, but for the most part, as soon as the move is triggered, you're just following the script. Yeah, there. this is this is very much on the other end of choice paralysis. Um, yeah, the next move, uh, sucker someone. But, but sorry, real quick. Oh. Oh. Because under each move, right? So that, that by in and of itself, that's enough for me. I get it, right? Totally. So then, but underneath Go Aggro, there's literally three quarters of a page yeah, talking yeah. about it. There's an ex at least at least these examples are actually marked off as examples, which which I'm fine with. It's actually marked as examples, it's not just conversation within the rules context. But then that's another like half a page. And then there's a huge paragraph on example of a mistake and a correction. So like I don't necessarily mind this stuff as much, especially the examples and the other part of the examples. But so many of the rules are written mechanically where i'm like okay i get it and then they give me 10 paragraphs with more contextual explanation and it's like that's been the problem the whole time is there's too much contextual i do this but sometimes i do this and sometimes you can do this instead and instead of just giving me the rules and giving me the examples you know every page every move takes like two pages three pages uh-huh yeah i'm in agreement um 
So, uh, sucker someone. <laughs> Which, you know. Yeah. Um, so the sucker someone, uh, we're, you know what, guys, we're going to keep going. Uh, we, we, you're getting how this works. We're just going to move through. Sucker someone is like when you attack someone who's unspecting or helpless. Um, perfect. Uh, in battle. Um, let's see. When you're in battle, uh, yeah, that's when you use the battle moves. Um, you can seize by force, uh, which you're gonna roll plus hard, and then you get to pick from a list of things again. Uh, after that, you have uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, sorry, I'm laughing at our chat. Um. Seduce or manipulate. Um, it's when you seduce or manipulate someone, you're gonna roll uh plus hot for how hot you are. Um and uh yeah, that's that's that one. Well, so, so on. we can explain it, this one just a little bit more because this one's an important core mechanic of the game. Is this is when the sex comes in. Uh yeah, this is when the sex comes in. So Yeah. Um, so basically when you're the whole point of sex in the game is not just like just just banging right um, the whole section here uh, talking about it is uh, it's leverage right so and that's all point because the sex moves fall under seduce or manipulate bluff fast talk whatever so you really only use <clears throat> sex in the game when sex is leverage where it's like <laughs> okay you want that thing like I'll fuck you if you give it to me you know what I mean so just like, like real life yeah, just like real life. So it, it's interesting the way that it works in here. And it specifically says over and over again that for like, just go black, like you don't need to, to act all that stuff out. I mean, I guess if you really want to have that kind of game, you totally can. But like um, the um, it's specifically about gaining leverage and using leverage and also about um, creating history with people. So when you have sex with someone, your sex move comes in. And for the most part, that talks about um, uh, whether you get history with someone and a move that you can do based on the history that you get or affecting the history you get with someone, which affects your improvement. So the sex moves, if you use them, directly affect your improvement in mm -hmm. the mechanics of the game. So, yeah. <laughs> That, Where so are the, we, the, dude? <laughs> I don't know. Um, yeah. I'll just run through the rest of the basic moves. I think I was going to do these first anyway, so I've read these like really diligently. Um, so uh, read a sitch. When you read a charge situation, you roll plus sharp. Basically, that's just understanding what's going on. That's important for a lot of the things. Um, when you read a person, it's exactly the same thing. It's you read Why a person. Why are those in two a, different moves? Because it's a situation in a person. So one... Um, it, yeah. It, it, so, but the thing is, like, you roll for sharp on both, but, like, what you get from um, the list of questions is totally different. So, like, that is very what's, true. The best, what's the best escape room? What's Who's vulnerable? Things like that is is the situation. And reading a person is, are they telling the truth? How are they feeling? Like, what's going on? So, again, each of these has a series of um, things underneath it. Um, and uh, this is different, though, because you can hold, right? Which is something we haven't really talked about yet. Right. So on a 10 plus, you hold a three, which means when you interact with someone, you get a one for one. So basically you don't 
immediately have to to use those holds, but you can use them as the situation plays out. So if I'm reading you and I roll plus sharp on a 10 plus, I roll I hold three. So as our interaction plays out, I can you can say something to me and I can be like, OK, I'm using one of my holds. And the MC tells me, are they telling the truth? And then as the situation continues to play out, I can use another one of my holds to say to ask like what their intent is. So this move is different because of the holds, which is not something that's really explained well on like how the holds work and things like that. Um, it's not. And I would still argue that this is the read person and read sitch is just one move that has two different lists based yes. on whether or not you're reading a period. Like, I mean, it is, but like, yeah, it doesn't need to. I don't I don't I don't disagree. I think I think, you know, because they feel the need to have all the examples and stuff, which, again, I do like, but it's all the talk afterwards that makes it a little bit different. But, yeah, I mean, you could if you're just going to have two different lists anyway, then it's OK to break it into two for me. But again, yeah, it is the exact same move. Well, it is. The exact and then same there's move. a whole other section that says reading a sitch or a person or a person is, I think, like what which I think is, <laughs> You could then just have it in there, right? And then open your brain, open your brain to the world's psychic maelstrom. Again, I wish that came up a little bit more, but it really talks about um, giving good detail to the impressions of things that are happening. There's not really a list of things underneath the open the brain section. It's just a lot of explanation um, Mm -hmm. and examples about opening your brain to the psychic maelstrom. There's help or interfere, which is really weird and kind of weirdly explained because... It is weird, but it's when history really comes in and is usable. And it's interesting that you can like help your buddies out or you can be like, nah, I'm going to fuck them over. You know, you can give them negatives. Um, And I kind of like that. Yeah, this one's interesting, but it is... It it has a little bit of like a retconny aspect to it. So it says... um, Helping or interfering, you roll history, like you just said. On a 10 plus, they take plus two help or minus two interference to their roll. On a seven or nine, it's one or less. But like the example of play literally says, like, my PC is trying to shoot your PC. Your PC runs behind um, a, a barrel, right? And like the response is, well, I wouldn't let you just do that. So it's not like you can have a move, stop a move, because there's not really opposed rules in it. So what you would do instead is I go to shoot you. You respond by running behind a barrel. I respond by rolling interference to make your run behind the barrel move, like act under fire, have negative points to it so that my move then comes back into having a more likelihood to hit you. So it's, it's kind of like that snowball thing. So you have to like do a thing to do a thing to do a thing to go back to the first thing to see how well it works. I don't mind that. It sounds like it's a thing that I wouldn't like, but I don't mind that because I think that's a much better way to do it than like, or it is an alternate way to do opposed roles that I don't mind to just be like, you do a thing. So I do a thing, but I make it a little harder for you, so then my thing works a little bit better. I don't mind that one. And I do like when the history actually comes into play. Mutual, mutual interference, that's what I was basically just talking about. Lifestyle, I don't understand why this is a move. Like, at the beginning of a session, spend one or two barter for your lifestyle. Why is that a move? Just, like, be it a th- like that's Every, Everything Ryan, is a everything's move. Everything's a move. Everything, everything is a move. Is a move. I, working gigs... That's I think need jingle during a session is a move and it's just like okay then literally to say you can work gigs, um, that's apparently a move. The session in move is a move. This is what I'm talking about. It gets to a point where like moves don't mean moves moves don't mean anything. The word move has lost all definition in my brain. Like, it's funny because I, I several times have thought about the session in move while we we're doing this and like and I've I've we've so much else going through this that I've forgotten about it, and then we got to and I'm like oh yeah it's all, yeah. yeah we're ending the session to move. <laughs> that's what i'm saying like by making everything a move you make moves meaningless like i just and especially again
again, this feeds back into the idea of like, I feel boxed in by too much structure of the basic moves. And then the response is always, well, not everything is a move. And it's like, but everything in the fucking book is a goddamn move. Like the way it's written, you can't do anything without it being a move, even though like in one tiny sentence, it says, if it's not a move, don't do like only only things you do that trigger moves, trigger moves. And it's just like, well, when everything's a move, everything is a move. So <laughs> the end of the section is important. So it says choose a character who knows you better than they used to. If there's more than one, choose one at your whim. OK, tell that player to add plus one to their history with you on their sheet. If this brings them to history plus four, they reset to history plus one. Um, and therefore mark experience because don't forget when you mark five experience you get to improve um, if no one knows you better choose a character who doesn't know you as well as they thought or choose any character you whim tell that player to take minus one to their history with you on their sheet if this brings them to history minus three they reset to zero and mark an experience so if you know someone really well or not well at all you still get to mark experience if you forget to do this at the end of the session do it at the beginning of the session that is the end move again i don't understand why it can't just be like a mechanic of the game but the mechanic of the game is that everything is a move so there you go and there's an example for that which is fine and then that is the list of basic moves hey and you know we're halfway through the book yeah 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 Um, uh, peripheral moves, which are other moves, um, uh, these are basic moves that come into play less commonly, um, or optionally, uh, or that might not come into play at all. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Harm yeah, and so healing moves, but then there's a whole harm and healing section. Yeah. So, um, yeah, harm and healing. Um, yeah. You roll harm uh, when you suffer harm, um, and it's a list of things you can choose. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then there's a bunch of examples. Yeah. Um, and then after that is barter moves, which is optional because maybe your world doesn't have bartering because it's too apocalyptic or whatever. Um, and it's interesting, I guess. And then there's insight, which you probably won't have by default, but if you have a hocus follower, that they might grant it. Um, yeah, and then you have uh, augury, which is another thing that you probably won't have, but the hocus follower might give it to you. So again, why aren't all of these moves up under the character section, and then you can just put the moves that are specific to hocus underneath the hocus section? Like I don't know. Actually, the first time I read through this, I was like, wait, are all these just hocus moves? <laughs> you know, like half of them are. Yeah. <laughs> oh wait, then we get to chain chain highlighted stats again. Weird. For like the fifth time, yes. A peripheral move, like beginning of any session move, like I just don't understand. This is the part where it's what's, just... what's so funny is that like because this is here, that means that changing highlight stats is a move. It is because everything is a move. <laughs> don't forget page one sixty three because I'm going to reference page one sixty three later. Let me write that down. Oh wait, why? Oh, you'll see. Okay, cool. Oh, um, and that's all the peripheral moves, right? Yeah, and then we get to battle moves, which are all um, important yeah. and should be not on page 166. Yeah, so exchanging harm, um, which is hurting things. Um, but this is this is this is a move, but it's 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 also like literally a core mechanic of the game, right? Inflicting harm and suffering harm. This is what I want to see. Harm equal weapons minus armor. That's a rule. That's a mechanic. That is a thing that should be important in the game before page 160 fucking six. Like I'm, ah. Uh. 
Yeah. Uh, you listen, you inflict harm equal to the harm rating of your weapon minus the armor uh, rating of your enemy. Um, you suffer harm equal to the harm rating of your enemy's weapon minus the armor rating of your own armor. Easy. It's the most actually rules rule that in this whole thing, it's like right at the top, it just says, hey, by the way, it's just harm equals weapon minus armor. And you're like, oh, amazing. Uh, yep. <laughs> a short, brief example for how it works, and then boom, you're good. Yeah, it's weird, and correct me if I'm wrong, but there's not a straight, like, attack move, right? No, not really, because, and this is another thing. When we get to Seize by Force, which is the next thing, there's a lot of explanation where it says, like, the default battle move is Seize by Force. And I'm like, I don't understand how that's the default. Like, I just want to punch you in the fucking face. But it's always like, well, you're probably always fighting for something, so try to Seize by Force. I'm like, I just don't understand how, like... Maybe in the apocalypse world where, like, you're really only ever, like, vying for stuff or something or, right. like, a person or things, maybe that's kind of, like, the default. I just don't understand how, like, inflict harm isn't, like, the default move because – but it also says seize by force, and then you get to the variations, which is assault a secure position, keep hold of something you have, fight your way free, defend someone else from attack. How are those seized by force? How I don't is know. You know what I mean? I like don't. you fight your way free, seized by force. So you're seizing your freedom by force. I, this is one of the ones where I'm like, this one feels shoehorned. Yeah, but, I I was just looking at that. I'm, I have Broken Worlds open at the same time because it, it's not like Patrick Worlds. Like it is actually very uh, powered by the apocalypse. Like it has moves and everything. It's still in that very linear faction. And they have a default attack move, which is just called Reach Heaven Through Violence. Yeah. Um, which is like, yeah, when you're attempting to strike down a foe, um, this just is hit what em. you do. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Whatever you're trying to hit. Yeah. But seized by force, under seized by force, you get to pick one of these options, and it is like you inflict harm, or you suffer less harm, or you take definite and undeniable control, or you impress this may or frighten your enemy. Only one of those things, literally one of those things, of the four listed, has anything to do with actually taking control of anything. Yeah, what a weird thing to call that. I mean, there's so many fucking moves. Like, why not just create one more and just be like, yeah, uh, you know, take down enemy, you know, or whatever. Or, or... Don't call this seized by force. Call it yeah. attacking someone and then aggressive action. Aggressive action. And then one of the four things underneath it could be see something by force. Because only one of like, it's just this is what I'm talking about. Like, I do really enjoy this game. And it's so frustrating to me that the book is so unenjoyable to read. Yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty rough. Um yeah, uh, variations. There's a PC versus PC again. Um, and, uh, yeah. Um, uh-huh. Uh, there's single combat, um, which, you know, to do, like, which is like a duel, you know? Yeah. I do uh, like this one. I do like this one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're going to roll uh, plus hard. Go ahead, Ryan. No, no. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. You're going to roll plus hard. Um, uh, yeah, you're, you're, sorry, you're exchanging harm. Uh, but first roll plus hard on 10 plus both on a seven to nine, choose one and on a miss, your opponent chooses one against you. So it's either inflict harm or suffer little harm. It's, it's either you take a harm or give a harm, but it's interesting because on 10 plus both happen, um, mm. which I'm like, Oh, okay. Um, yeah, yeah, I, d yeah. I dig that because you can like, I roll, you roll, I roll, you roll. And like, I can like any of those things are 
interesting ways to do it this is like one of my favorite like moves in the whole game it's like so simple and straightforward and it really makes sense picking one or the other and having to be such a small list like i like that to me is the basic like attack move yes yeah it kind of way more is actually you know yeah yeah like i just want to punch you in the fucking face like i just want to <laughs> shoot you because you're pissing me off like it's apocalypse world like i don't always have to have a reason to do my shit you know <laughs> oh you know ryan that wasn't a bad move before our show started but going through this with you has been very enjoyable <laughs> my blood pressure is at like 180 right now yeah um so some more some more combat moves <laughs> um yeah you have laid down fire um which is kind of like a cover fire um support fire move um, which is is cool. You're gonna roll plus hard. Um, you have no Overwatch move. A move um, where you you're standing in Overwatch and you roll plus cool for that one. Um, and then like on ten plus, you choose one. Uh, yeah, uh, keep an eye out. Uh, you're you're looking out for what's coming. Um, everything's a move, man. I mean, there's so many like. Oh hey, I want to look out for for potential enemies. Oh well, let's keep that's a keep an eye out. Um, <laughs> so, brother, roll for that. Um, then you have uh, subterfuge uh, moves. Uh, yeah, you can you can bait a trap. Um, you can hunt prey. Um, escape a hunter. You can do PC cat versus PC mouse uh turn you can turn the tables on somebody um and then you got road war moves uh ryan uh just in case there weren't uh, enough moves yet uh there's boarding a vehicle um there's out distancing another vehicle there's overtaking another vehicle um dealing with bad terrain which is a move um <clears throat> shouldering another vehicle uh, shoulder another vehicle um and then there's uh, like V harm, which is like harm to like a like the vehicle's like massive frame, um, uh, and the car's handling, um, yeah, and those are all things. Uh, but don't worry, Ryan. I, I know you were worried that we were done with moves, but we're not because next we have character moves, um, and these are all gonna be character specific moves that we're not gonna go through because we just really don't need to. Um, no, they're all listed. Yeah, they're all, they're listed, all listed on the on sheet. The, yes, absolutely. They're all on the play sheet. They're also all here. Um, and that's um, that's uh, where you're you're on 182 is where it starts, right? For that section. Yeah. I'm just I'm just yeah. looking real quick. Yeah, and yeah. it ends on 200. So there you go. Um, 20 more pages hard. explaining the things that are already listed. <laughs> yeah. All right, harm and healing. Let's get through this. So this is like the fifth time we've seen harm and healing. So let's talk about harm and healing some more. Um, how might a character suffer harm when the role fucking says it does? Because everything is a role. Like I, I don't like that's. But it's bullet points of of examples. How much harm? It's always weapon harm. Like minus your armor. That's listed as one of the actual only things that's actually corely listed. Um, and then it goes into another example. Um, but I listed as example just within the text. Um, and that's how that happens. So uh, it has a list of uh, the type of harm that you can do from zero to five. So like 
grappling and dragging and stuff like that is zero harm. One is like a fist or a punch. Two is a guy with a hammer. Three is a guy with a shotgun. Four is a grenade. Five is like a big explosion because at five, you're basically dead. Um, when a PC suffers harm, things happen. So getting shot with uh, harm equals the inflictor's weapon harm minus the sufferer's armor. If the weapon has armor piercing, ignore the armor. So it really comes down. It, it breaks down a lot of this into like an extremely easy mechanic of just it's harm. It's, it's weapon harm minus armor. And then that's what you get. And then it talks a lot about like all the different segments of the clock. Which I mean, we'll 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 get to more clock stuff at some point. I think um, there are harm moves when you suffer harm. Suffering harm is a move. So this is different. <laughs> this is different, right? Uh -huh. Than actually like doing harm to someone from another move. Right. So it's a move that triggers the move. So if I if we're in single combat and I do harm to you, we can roll a suffer harm move. I actually don't mind this one a little bit um, because it really comes down to adding more unpredictability and stuff to like the harm that's actually suffered to you. So this I do one, like I the list of stuff and like much. how it can yeah. narratively interact. But like I feel yeah. like the execution leaves a lot to be desired. And I feel like maybe this maybe not suffer harm like every time. I don't know. There's something here you don't, for sure. Yeah. You don't have to do it every time. Right. I guess as a GM, as an MC. You can do it, but this is the interesting thing when you read it. It says, when you suffer harm, roll plus harm suffered after armor if you're wearing any. On a 10+, plus, the MC chooses one. You're out of the auction. Uh, it's worse than it seemed. Um, you choose two on seven and nine, which is a different list. You lose your footing. You lose grip on whatever you're holding. On a miss, the MC can nevertheless choose something from seven to nine anyway. Um, if she does, though, it's instead some of the harm you're suffering. So take minus one harm. So, like, here's a list of stuff you can do on seven to nine, but then you can just do stuff anyway if you want. Um... Sure. So it 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 basically just adds like a little bit of a wrinkle to to what's going on. But you know what I would do with this is just like tie it into any harm. Like you don't have to roll again to do it. Like if you got hit with harm on a roll that was between seven and nine, you can just pick two from the seven and nine list. Yeah, if you got hit okay, with that. harm, that's a ten plus. I like just that. pick from the ten plus list. Like just put them together. Why are you rolling a second time? yeah that's that i like a lot more um yeah yeah it's like dude we can eliminate some of these some of these roles especially because like so many moves lead to other moves that just lead to other yeah. moves. like it's well, just, when we, we went through the whole snowballing move section and like the snowball it's like 10 things down and i'm like you could just eliminate some of those like you could just yeah. not and if it does take that many that's fine cool whatever but like i don't know that that there's ways that this can be parsed down uh simpler uh when life becomes untenable is the section when the character's countdown hits 12 uh, midnight her life becomes untenable so you can choose options and these are on the character sheet um but like how they come back and that's the player's choice on what they want to do so like when you hit basically you're dying you can either come back with minus one hard so you lose some stat um you can come back with plus one weird to a max of three so because if you basically close to death you get weird um or you can choose a new change to a new playbook right um or just die um and then you can just choose to die and just do something different um so i again i here's the thing about this is like i don't it says when life becomes untenable these things happen this isn't a move 
crazy that it's not a move. Maybe it's supposed to be listed as a move, but like this is just an explanation of a mechanic of the game. Crazy that you can explain a mechanic of the game without it being. No, moved. sorry, Ryan. Uh, everything's a move. So yeah, you're right. You're right. Everything is a move. It's just it's crazy. When an NPC attacks, they inflict harm. When an NPC suffers harm, guess what? They do harm to them. This is an explanation of the of the um, NPC clock for uh, the countdown clock. So basically, mm -hmm. I don't know if we missed the PC countdown clock section earlier, but basically it's split into one, two, three, four, five, six segments, right? So, but if you actually look at a real clock, it's from 12 to three. So a quarter of it is your first segment. Three to six is a segment and six to nine is the segment. So three quarters of the clock is one segment each. And then from nine to 12, it's broken into one, two, three segments, right? And anything prior to 6 p.m., for a PC, so the first two segments, basically, just heal with time. Like, get enough rest, that'll go away. So it's kind of like just your default one-two hit. That's fine. Um, anything after six, like from six to nine, requires some type of healing. And really, anything after nine, like, requires healing worse. and you're kind of fucked. Yeah, and it, yeah. it, oh yeah, it gets worse with time. So that's kind of how it works for the PCs. But for NPCs... Um, really, they die potentially by the second segment, so from three to six, and definitely by the third segment from six to nine. So if they have no armor and you hit them with something that does three harm, they're just dead. But a PC could take up to like five harm and theoretically not really be dead. Um, I like that once it hits like the fifth segment, they're basically, or even the even the um, fourth segment, they're dead and you're just fucking up their body. And like the fifth segment is just bodily destruction. So like if you do six harm to an NPC with no, you basically blow their body to bits. So that's that's NPC well, which suffering. Which sex harm. move is that? Uh, that would be probably the battle babe sex move. I think it's just the um, <laughs> orgasm to oblivion. Um, so um, yeah, and what I just said is explained here a little bit more. <clears throat> Using a gang as a weapon. Um, and the the size of the gang matters. So it's just the way that using gang contact size gang, always um, matters. Yep, of course, especially in this game, it's a sex move. Um, um, so this one's a little bit different because the way the gang suffers harm is really just like how many of the gang die and how many are surviving. Um, so And that's broken down into the one through five harm. Does the gang hold together? It's kind of like a morale thing. Using a vehicle as a weapon is listed here, which is fine. And it talks about the vehicles like clock. This is kind of a little bit of like... NPC stat block harm kind of damage. Vehicle harm is listed here. When a building suffers harm is listed. Other kinds of harm. Psi harm. The symbol right here is Psi in the Greek alphabet. So this is psychic harm. Um, when you suffer psychic harm, there's a list of things that can happen. Um, but a lot of them are very similar to just when you suffer any kind of harm. You're out of the action. Like, you know, you're, you lose track of something. It's pretty much the same. It's just Psi harm. But then we get into things like S harm and D harm. Hey, do me a favor. Roll hard for D harm. <laughs> um they, like i don't understand the reason for this like s harm means stun d harm means um deprivation just say harm that stuns them harm that deprives them like d harm arid d harm warmth d harm cool is heat stroke hypothermia asphyxiation i just I, I i just think that suddenly there's this weird influx of letters 219 pages in you know, and then we get it to is interesting how it really clicks on suddenly here. It's like, <laughs> and if this is that important, again, harm and healing should be way earlier in the book. It's a, it's it's a realistically kind of, again, a core thing is just if you've taken harm and if you're alive, 
you know it's so, it's funny how like the arc of my caring about this has really where where we are in this book it's like man at this point i'm like god i don't, I don't care about these rules at all man um no. and what's crazy is we're two hours and 20 minutes in and we haven't read 80 percent of the words i know yeah um so yeah healing by an angel it talks about the angel's kit and everything um to use it to stabilize and heal someone at nine or past you have to roll plus stock because it's the stock you have in your kit that you can use to heal people um and then based on what you roll you get to choose like one or two different things i do think this is really interesting so um like uh the list is like they fight you and you have to narco stab them how long will they be out i like that um the cool. pain and drugs make them babble the truth to you ask them what secret they spill this is what i feel like moves should all be like right and like things that are yeah. just basic mechanics oh, yeah, like should a, just yeah, be absolutely. basic mechanics yeah but things that are like moves should be this kind of narrative thing but again a basic mechanic should just be explained as a basic mechanic like harm to me is just you just roll a stat and do fucking harm that's a basic mechanic of the game it doesn't have to be a move a right. move to me is this exact thing choose a thing like they respond well to treatment recover one stock they're at your complete mercy what do you do to them it's creating these narrative things going forward it's open-ended yeah it's not just like a happens so b happens to, like i mean like again i didn't make pbta this is the game that started it i just think it's one of the worst pbtas i've ever read um uh, if there's no angel no healing you're shit out of luck that's what it says um there's a particular npc medic they can do it um there's an npc medic she's who cares, like whatever um gear and crap okay uh you can barter that's the thing that you can do if you want to there's a move for it um uh descriptive tags i'm not a huge fan of tags i think people enjoy them i again i feel like it's it, it provides too much structure or i maybe it's just even just like i don't like the way they're written i don't even really like the word tag um so but here's my thing is mm -hmm. i like tags and there are too many in this yes yes oh my god yes there's just yeah. too many like yeah I don't understand how I'm supposed to know. Like, I know we're supposed to use reference sheets, but here's the thing. Once again, if I'm playing a game that I have to stare down at to read a script from to, like, look to see the 10 moves that I have with my six stats and my 20 tags, when am I playing the game? I don't know. It does, sure seems like everyone needs their own, like, GM screen for this, you know? I want a whole player's though. My player book is four pages long. I know what I'm saying. Like it's, you could just every single player character has their own GM screen of just like, here's the stats. Here's what I can do here. What tags means, you know, here's my basic moves, but here's my character specific oh, moves, but here's my special guys? and peripheral moves. <laughs> yeah. It's just, so anyway, so the way tags work, I don't mind this. I feel like this is more mechanical, which yes. finally, thank God, um, writing a tag is not a move, except that everything is a move. Um, so basically it says, this is the way the tags work. There's three categories, right? So in the listings that follow, you have plus parentheses tag, like valuable, infinite or whatever it means you simply, no, 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 no. Let me get to it. So first, the plain mechanical Second, constraints on when the characters can use them. And third, cues, recommending something for you to say about them. So let's just look at an example and we'll say that. So, um, and then we'll come back to some of this other stuff that just drives me up the goddamn wall. So for example, if you look at a um, a uh, a big knife, uh, no, no, uh, uh, let's say uh, uh, a revolver, right? It's two harm. So harm is listed first. Then you have close, reload, 
and loud. Those are the three tags. And in the order of the way that you can understand what those tags mean, this is something that I think is kind of like you get pretty quickly. This is one of the ones where I'm like, okay, I get it. So the first is mechanical. So close is a mechanical thing. You can only use it when you're mm -hmm. close. The second is reload. It's a constraint on what the character can do, which means it requires you to reload it. And the third is the cue, <laughs> which recommends something about what you say about it or how it goes. And it's loud. So mechanical, the constraint, and the cue pretty much narratively on how it works. So again, you get close, reload, loud. I don't mind that. I'm okay with that. I like that it it's got a little bit of mechanical structure part. to it. Yeah. Um, but here's my not favorite part is all of the fucking tags that go with it. Like yeah. range tags in armor, plus in armor, in minus armor, plus in armor, plus bonus, plus in choice, alive, AP, AD, applied, area, auto fire, braced, close, close far, in placed, far, hand, high tech, implanted, infinite, intimate, loud, messy, refill, reload, remote, S arm, slow, tag, valuable, worn, implanted. It's three pages of tags. And I know they're not always going to be applicable, but like, I just feel like a lot of that can just be constrained down and then just given a little bit of context to separate them a little bit. You know what I mean? I even think like it, getting rid of like a list of tags and making them more open-ended things like, hey, each weapon's going to have these tags, like a, like, like you, the, in the order you said, here are like four examples of each what we normally would put with these weapons, but your table can decide like its own tags for its own weapon and what that means, right? Like, yeah, yeah. But here's the other thing too, right? So this whole book is, again, contextual examples. But when you actually need examples, it's not explained at all. Yeah. Like at all. So for example, there are like 50 fucking tags we just went over, right? And then you get to a, a section of weapons and armor that talks about common firearms and other common weapons. And there's an entirety of maybe like five of those 50 tags. There's no explanation of like a more complex tag you know what I mean? There's not like anything that talks to me about. There's like one that uses infinite, but there's nothing that's like, give me something that's like reload, remote, slow. You know, what I mean? there's none of yeah. like, well, reload. Yeah. But you know what I mean? Like it basically everything comes down to harm, a distance, and if it's loud or quiet. And that's pretty much it. Um, uh, armor, it exists. Fashion armor, it gives you one. Um, or um, uh, two armor is more serious. Um, and three armor is basically a fucking bomb suit. That's it. There you go. That's armor. And guess Perfect. what? It reduces in, it reduces incoming damage. There you go. Um, it gives you a whole way to do custom firearms and how to build them, which guess what? This is all on the playbook sheets. I don't understand that. That's another thing that's on the playbook sheet, like for every character is like how to set, how to build a custom firearm. It seems like a weird optional thing. There's specialty gear, which is like kits. And so then guess what we do for all the specialty gear? Is yep, that's right. We list them for every individual character instead of just being in a character section. Not not and not everyone has one, right? You got angel gear, brainer gear, lux gear, bikes, cars, things we've gone over a bunch of times already, battle vehicles. Et Listen, cetera, I can et tell you right now, I think this game's getting a high score. <laughs> a, a whole section on prosthetics here. Different than the prosthetic section we went over earlier, but exactly the same. It literally, I, I'm pretty sure they just copy pasted it. Um uh, workspaces, whatever. I'm not even worried about it. Uh, gangs, descriptive tags for gangs and how they work. Oh, that's not in the gang section earlier when we talked about gangs. Um, oh, that's not in the gang section earlier. Nope. That's so using, weird. Why? Using gang as a weapon? I don't know, because it's under a healing and harm section earlier, but we're not. We're talking about gangs again completely separate. This is what I'm talking about. There is no thing where I can go to and say, okay, how do gangs work? 
go to the gang section. I have to go to four or five different sections to get the contextual understanding of the entirety of how gangs work. This is what I'm talking about. Like it just, it makes my brain hurt so bad. Creating a gang is a threat. Maybe in the threat section, when we talked about gangs, it's in there. It's not surplus and one. I don't know. Uh, followers, holdings and establishments. They exist. Um, a hard holders holding their wealth and all the things that can come from that. Cool. It's down here in gear and crap, which is fine. It could also be in the hard holders section. This one is like six, seven, eight fucking pages long for establishing that and all the things you can get from it. That's fine. Whatever. Um, improvement. Last really important part of the game, prescriptive and descriptive, right? So prescriptive, it changes the character sheet, meaning it changes the character's fictional circumstances and capabilities, right? That's the game's experience and improvement rules, right? Descriptive, when the character's fictional circumstances or capabilities change naturally within the character's fictional world, the player can and should change your character sheet to match. I love this section. This is a great fucking section. This is really interesting. I really enjoy it. The, the examples here are actually really good. So, um, uh, for example, it says, Bran bolts a machine gun to his Jeep. I tell his players it's stats. You actually have changed the game and changed mechanically and narratively the game. Um, right. the, the holding takes in refugees, and some of them naturally gravitate to Keeler's gang, doubling in size. I tell Keeler's player to change the gang from small to medium. Narrative and mechanical, prescriptive and descriptive. I like that. It's a mechanic. It's not a move. Um, uh, fair's, fair, fair's fair though. Keeler hits her fuck this shit roll with a seven and nine. And I tell her she can ditch out, but she'll have to leave her new bike behind. She's easy come easy go. I, I, again, I really like that. Like there's goods and bads with like the decisions that you make and with your improvement and things like that so that you can, um, change a lot of the things that are affecting your players, your hard hold, or if you decide to just leave your hold, that's a huge thing, right? Um, experience. So a player marks experience when she rolls a highlighted stat, her history when someone resets, or a move tells her to, which we've talked about numerous times already. I'm okay with it being here, but this is the only place it should be. Um, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Not going over that. Changing highlighted stats. Remember when I talked to you about, um, what was that page number? Oh, 160 something? 163. Okay. Yeah. Did you see this section changing a highlighted stats? I At do. the beginning of any session, it starts. The last line is, gee, what a pal. All right. Let's go to page 163. Is it the exact same thing? At the beginning of any session, gee, what a pal. <laughs> it's literally copy-pasted three-quarters of a page from one section to another section. That's cr that's actually crazy. Like, at least with the other stuff that's duplicated, you're like, okay, I, it's slightly different. I guess, that, I mean, that's not good, but it's the same. That's it's so It's explained weird. in a different way, at least, or addresses it slightly. You don't need to address it four times, but it's literally just copy-pasted three-quarters of a page from one section that's to another section. That's so weird, dude. What? Yes, just say you can find it here on page 163. If you're talking about that, just say you can find it here. There's already so many indexes and hyperlinks, inline hyperlinks to other sections and things like that. Why have the literally the same words filling three quarters of a page on two separate pages? Like that is the that is the epitome of what drives me nuts about this book. Character improvement. You fill five circles. You improve. The improvements improve. are listed yeah. on on each player's character sheet. You get more stuff that happens. Um, 
Retiring a character is fun and interesting though. I do really like this whole section. So basically retiring a character means put them in safety for multiple reasons. As in like they can still remain an NPC in the world. And basically like if you choose, if you get to a point where you can retire a character, they are in safety, which means that they're not just gonna be killed off for a story beat by the, by the MC. And mm -hmm. the MC is not going to suddenly turn them evil or do some like random shit with them just because it's fun or interesting. Like the character is safe. You can retire the character safely knowing that this person you've invested all this time and effort into is going to live in the world with what they were doing. And that's fine. I like that reassurance within the system to just be yeah. like, OK, you retired the character. Suddenly it's mine. So I'm just going to murder him. No, because I would have just kept them and I could change the consequences of it. So if you really get to a point where you retire a character, they can just live in the world. They can even be an NPC you go back to. And you're just they're just going to be left alone. And I like that. Also, just throwing this out there. If you're playing a game and you're in, in a different game and you want to retire a character and you're game master is like yeah i fucking killed them or now they're the bad guy without talking to you about it your game master's a yeah. dick yeah play a different game master yeah you play um, with a different person way, man that guy's an asshole <laughs> the best way to deal with problem players and and gms you don't like is don't play with them anymore i hate, I, I, hate these, I, like, I mean hey that's been my method so here, here's an essay on how to deal with problem players uh don't end of essay um all right playing two characters i don't mind this basically that's one of the options that you can do when you when you hit your max you can play as two characters because and it says why not mcs play with like 30 if the player character wants two or three or four or five go for it um and uh they they choose new hit or uh, um they choose new histories they do all of that you can change your character type which is another thing i really like so basically um for example um the player keeps her old character book for reference and transfers her character into the new playbook so you keep everything intrinsic to yourself which is your stats your moves everything your improvements all the things you leave behind everything belonging to your old life so for example if a hard holder becomes a driver she leaves everything that has to do with her holding behind and then you get everything belonging to your new life so if you do become a driver you get a car so I, I really, really love that where you can just be like, OK, I've improved to the point, but I want to do something totally different. I'm going to suddenly become an angel. So I've learned how to become a medic. I leave my Maestro D sex club behind and I become an angel because I want to go help people. I want to heal all the syphilis that I spread, you know, um, that 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 I really like that as a mechanic. I like that um, advancing moves. It's the thing oh. that can be done. Yeah, sticks of the moves that you do. This is interesting. It's interesting. I don't know how I feel about this one. Of all the things that I like and dislike, I don't know how I feel about this one. One of the things you can do is advance three moves as a move when you hit your max improvement, right? Or when you get to the, the, the five or whatever. There's six total you can do, so you can do that move twice. You can choose three, then you can choose the other three. So six out of the 10 can be advanced. And basically what that means is, 12 plus basically you can crit on 12 plus now so it's the same thing so for example doing something under fire works all the same way it did but now on a 12 plus you transcend the danger the pressure the possibility of harm you do what you set out to do and the mc will offer you a better outcome true beauty or a moment of grace so basically once you reach max improvement you can choose a move where you make you give crits to three moves and then you can choose that again to give crits to three other moves for a total of six of the ten moves you can now crit on and it basically makes everything great and golden for you that's I interesting like that. i like that i do like that you know what thing what i like about this section more than anything is it's all mechanics yeah explained as if they are mechanics notice how concise these are bolds italic explanations a quick example and then moving on to the next thing 
this is one of my favorite sections in the game is the improvement section because it really just tells me what I need to do and how to do it. And um, advanced fuckery. You know what? I don't even I don't even care. Um, it's just Perfect. it's just it's just it's just this is other moves. It's just random other moves. It's just a bunch of random other moves. That's that's what it comes down to. Um, there's different uh, different uh, character types that you can make. There's love letters that can be written. These are all just like random ass moves. Um, that's what it comes down to. Um, Powered by the Apocalypse, there's a whole section here of other people's moves for other games brought into this. So Ben Ray used Apocalypse World in a zombie game. So here's a move that they use. So these are examples of non-Apocalypse World moves for moves. And I, I like so much of these better than moves mm -hmm. in the game because most of them are special moves or, or powers or things like that versus the basic moves of the game. And I've said this over and over again. I hate the basic moves. I like special moves or powers or things like that. A good example of one is literally like, um, uh, there's one that's literally like cast a spell, right? Magic use, cast a spell, Tony Dowler, right? Apocalypse uh, world based dungeon crawler. Magic user, cast a spell, use your intelligence. Arcane magic comes from the use of formula, ritual, or the magic user's own life force. Roll on a seven to nine, choose one. On a 10, choose two. The spell is not forgotten. The spell has a powerful effect, so you maximize your dice. The spell has a large effect, so double your range duration or number affected. And the spell does not misfire. Those are your options. That is using it as a power, as something that directly affects the situation that you're currently in with, with clear narrative like, and and, and things outside of, of the things. Again, it's not just like I want to do like a basic thing. I would run, run behind a wall or whatever, so I have to have all of these things. It's just... Uh, so many of these, in my opinion, are used better in, in the game that they're talking about. It talks about the moves architecture. So we're 281 pages in, and it is now telling us how a move is put together. Okay. You see why I'm frustrated people here? Here's a quick look at the structure of an Apocalypse World move. I don't understand why after basic moves, it doesn't go directly into moves. And this isn't the first part of the move section where it tells you the structure of how the mechanic of how a move actually works and how they're built. It says you do stuff. And then you do some other stuff. I mean, the, the, the all moves take the form of win blank, then blank. Why is that not one of the very first things written in the entire book? The whole thing, oh, everything is a move. So let me tell you how moves work on one of the last pages of the game. Like, eh. so for example, when the character acts, then roll, right? When circumstances dictate, right? Then uh, activate something's tag. This would have been really helpful forever ago. And this is under the advanced section, advanced of all sections. Why isn't this under the MC section? I know that's what I was thinking. I'm like, why would it be here and not? I mean, there's like so much of this book. I'm like, why isn't this in the MC section? Also, why isn't the MC yeah. section in the back of the book? Um, yeah. Right before. Anyway. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, ludography. I like this. This is a great thing that 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 Vincent Baker does. I think with a lot of their stuff, it really talks about like everything involved with the situation. The playtesters again. If you notice, Adam Coble is like the first one on here. He literally is one of the dudes that wrote freaking Dungeon World, which is one of the first uh, ones. Um, uh, John Harper is listed in here right there. Hmm. So like a lot of the people that originally came up with like the first um, uh, batch of PBTAs after this 
were involved in this to start with game influences there's um and i do really like where it specifically says like history is based on the mountain witch by timothy kleiner stakes is based on troll babe from ron edwards i really really like that because you know what that makes me want to do is go read all of these games like i want to go read primetime adventures and shadows of yesterday and sorcerer sorcerer soul extreme street luge listen the character sex moves were inspired by sex and sorcery Yep, I want to go read. I want to go read some sexy, so sexy other stuff. So I really do like that media influences, like et cetera, et cetera. They're literally sex ed, um, um, things to go read. Books, changing bodies, changing lives. Ruth Bell, nineteen ninety eight. That's interesting. There's the countdown clock, um, which basically says like. You know, the, the, it's in the 80s. We all knew about the countdown clock. We all know about that. Gasoline, that's the section I was talking about. Um, all of that. And that's the end. That Oh, the indexes. So I, I like this. This is a great, this is great uh, in, in PDF form. It's not going to be super helpful in, I guess, in book form, except if you're flipping and flipping and flipping. But like every single move that's listed here, even character moves and everything is indexed and hyperlinked. So thank goodness there's at least that in the PDF. All of them yeah, are hyperlinked. Thank goodness there's that. There's um, uh, character moves by stat are listed by stat and then hyperlinked. I That's great. That that's very necessary. Really cool. Yeah. Yeah. The no stat character moves listed and hyperlinked, which I really like. The topical index, which is basically just a repeat of the table of contents, but it's all listed specifically in hyperlinked, which is really, really great. The one thing that, again, I was hoping for and didn't see when I got to the end of this, because now we're just at Finn, the end, is just like a two-page breakdown of just like how the no. game works. No. Like at no point do you – is there any any breakdown of like – this is what a roll does. If you hold, this is a hold. If you um, uh, oh, go forward, yeah. this is go forward. If you um, oh, if it you never touched back on touch no. back on that except that one it, little section where it's in the middle of something yeah. else. If you get harm, then this is how harm works. If you get healing, this is how healing works. You could do all of that in maybe a two-page spread. It's just a breakdown of the core. This is a run through for the players on how it works, but it's not here. It's not here. Um, and that's it. So we're going to get into the review scores. So, um, five metrics for those that don't know, we give 10 points, uh, up to 10 points for each art and layout is the art and the layout. Usability is how usable the book is. Rule set is the rule set. And, and if we like it and if it's, if, you know, whatever originality is how original it is. Value is bang for your buck and total score of up to 50 art and layout. There is no art. The there is no great. art. There's no art. The cover's great. There's maybe like five other pieces. So really, and the pieces are fine. They're basic. It's whatever, but it's fine. I think I think much more art and much less words would have made this a much better book. Um, the layout is fine. I mean, it's readable the whole way through. I think the um, the lack of um, no, that's that's in usability or whatever. So just visually, the layout is adequate at best. The art is adequate at best. I don't really have anything good or bad to say about it. So I, I think, think this is a great example of a five. It's a perfect example. That's exactly what I was going to say. Again, I have nothing good or bad to say about it. So it's bang average, score of a five. Usability. Okay, here's here's where my brain breaks. Yeah, this is a hard one. Like, so you, go, you want to go first? Oh, it doesn't matter. It, uh, we'll probably so say it's hyperlink to hell. There's an index mm-hmm. that's incredibly usable. There are bookmarks everywhere, but... There is, if you want to look up a rule, it's probably in three or four different areas, and each one gives different context to that rule. Yep. 
Yep. I mean, and it is listed in the real book, so you can flip back and forth and back and forth and back and forth if you want. Um, but again, yeah, when you go to the indexes and you actually look up, like if you look up harm, poor Ahimple, actually, let's just go back and this will give a perfect example of what I'm talking about. If you go to page 304 and you look at harm. 304 and you look at harm. Okay. Oh, wow. I'm all the way at yes. the beginning. Okay. So for example, if you want to know all about harm, right? You look at page 12 through 13, page 158 through 60, page 166 to 179, and page 202 through 219. It's interesting you know I mean? in putting together this index that they, that they didn't go, huh, hey, do you think that that's weird that it's so many different places? Yeah, look at highlighted stats. Highlighting stats is such a basic, it's such an easy mechanic. You literally just like, someone else picks one for you, MC picks one for you. So why is it on page 12, 13, 77 through 78, 163, 259, and 260? And then underneath it says changing highlighted stats, 163 and 260. Those are the two pages that are literally exactly the same, just like copy pasted. Oh yeah. <laughs> okay. So it's, it's, it's frustrating in that, like you just said, like the tools to navigate the book aspect of usability for the PDF amazing like like all everything you need one step below troika and the fact that like just about everything in here every link every reference to another page every everything is linked indexes navigation like crazy actually reading the book and understanding everything yes. is a bottom in the fucking order in which me. the book is set up as well um makes no so sense i'm gonna say that this is for me is a five dude you're being nice i'm being like, very nice I'm I'm okay with this being a four, dude. Okay, like, I'm okay with this being a four as well. I think this I think it's hard because the usability tools that we usually like really harp on are there, but the book itself is just a mess. And I mean, honestly, maybe it is a four, really, because also if you go look for that rule, it's a wall of like just conversational text. I'm just like, what the fuck are we doing, man? That's what I'm um, saying. And and again, in order to get all the context you need for how the rule works, you have to check on three different pages, like yeah. on three different sections. I had that whole That's discussion with somebody. You know? I, I thought about this one in my head probably more than any of the rest of them where I'm just like the tools to navigate this book are so good in the PDF they really specifically. Are. But actually using the book breaks my brain. Like the rules of this book are maybe four pages realistically broken down into just the core mechanics of it. And this is a 304 page book. Uh, it's, it's just, I, 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 I first personally was like a five sounds good for this, but my negative feelings so override my positive feelings for this that I just, I just can't give it a positive score. I think like it hurts. Yeah, I think, I think that's, I think that is valid. Um, okay. Rule set. Now rule set. And this is the actual rules of the game not like all of like i in my mind i'm cutting off all the conversational text entirely okay. i'm literally just looking at the core mechanics of the rules and seeing how i feel i'm more positive than negative on the rules again a 2d6 mixed success is my favorite rule set my favorite way to yeah. play games is based on would not exist without this book you know what i mean totally. like that has to come into it. I think the system at the time in 2010, I think if we read this in 2010 without reading any of the PPDs we read before would blow our goddamn minds. And I understand I'd be so why hung over, I wouldn't even be able to understand it. So, but you know what I mean? Like in the context of, <laughs> yeah. of this, but like, 
I can understand why it won awards because when I when yes. I, I I did go back and look at like games that were out at the time, things that were going on. I read a lot of um, um, blogs about like what it is in response to. Again, I've talked to Aaron, um, Aaron King again, buy all their stuff um, about the context of situations that were going on at the time, like moves and i've read a bunch of aaron's stuff about like the the um, not just um patrick world there's another book that's like all moves so i think at the time when it came out this was fucking groundbreaking and it's it's hard to kind of parse that from what we know because so many things that exist in the way that we play games now exist because of this Absolutely. so at the time it blew shit away i think that so it's i him. like I think I love a lot of it again. And I'll say this over and over again. I don't like the basic moves. I, I think that not everything has to be a move. Everything is a move. That's my, that is the biggest issue. Listen, dice mechanic. Great. Um, the way stats work also pretty good. Good. Like yeah. too many moves. Ags too is many fine. Moves. Yeah. Not too everything is a goddamn moves. move. Things are just some, moves. some things are just mechanic. Why is session into move? I don't and know. again, also there's just blurred lines with the moves as well. Like, I like they're I don't know. I'm very unsure about some of them and where they cross over. Um, I think that this is a is. What do you think of this one? Like I said, it's hard. Like I do. I there are parts of it that I think are fucking genius and I love. Yeah, and there are parts of it that just break my fucking little brain um in ways that i don't enjoy it's just it's it's hard this is a really I would difficult say one it is it is obviously above average uh, purely for the innovation of it um but not that far above it um because i think it's just too bogged down with too many moves and too many tags and too much and you know because this is the problem that i have with the system in general right is i have played and read a shitload of pbtas and i'll yes. say this again this is my least favorite pbta i've ever read and it is literally the progenitor of the entire system how can i read a game based on this game that is better than this game and does the things this game wants to do in a better way or i don't even want to say better because we have to then look at like contextually like what the creator meant when they were creating the yes. game again they didn't they didn't go out to write a system in apocalypse world just the systems that have come since then i think are People have explained them, especially in a better way. Like Aaron King explaining how BBTA works in Patrick World explains, I know how to play this game better by reading a different game. I actually definitely also know how to play it better because of Patrick World. World. Yeah, like, Babes in the Wood, too, the, from, from even Adam. Even Broken World's the one that I um, have played previously, or I've ran a group through it before. Yeah. I know how to play that one better after going yeah. to Patrick World. Monster, Monster um, of the Week is another great one. It, it is all of this... Half yeah. is big with better with the rules explained better. So yeah, but again, so this is rule set, which definitely comes into how the rules are told to you. But at the core of itself, I mean, I I have to vary. I honestly have to at least give this a seven. I'm like, okay with a seven for this one. Yeah, because again, it is a progenitor of everything, and even if I don't like the way the rules are communicated to me, I still really like the most of the rules. Yeah, um, originality. I mean, this has. I mean like mechanically changed yeah like post pbta is a thing like there is before pbta and there's after pbta in yeah. in the context of gaming like it it has to have an insanely high score because it innovated the way we play pretty much every single game yeah it really did uh I mean, like, at I least think, some I aspect think... of it 
tags, moves, like it just there's the tag you, moves, you know, tag moves. Yeah, the sex, you know, sex, sex um, moves. Hey, dude, sex if it wasn't for this moves. game, we wouldn't have sex moves in, in games, you know, you know, um, but yeah, so like it, it's got to be really high score even because it changed. It, I mean, it won awards for its innovation. You know what I mean? Like it, it yeah. innovated every. I don't. TTRPGs now would be entirely every single one written would be entirely different because I'll tell you right now, even if you've never read a PBTA game, guess what? You probably have and a read and a game you've read has has the creator has read a PBTA game. So for yeah. me, originally, I mean, even has to if be, you're not like even if you're not playing a PBTA game, it, they've your the creators probably read Apocalypse World or another PBTA game and been inspired by that to create some kind of partial success. You know? Yeah. So. I mean, it's got to be really, it's got to be, I mean, it really does have to be a high score. You know what I mean? Like it does. Yeah. Like I'm talking like probably like a nine, dude. Like if you really think yeah. historically, contextually. Yeah. I think contextually. To... Yeah. Give it a, yeah. Throw the nine, you know, yeah. at least get will have two high scores there. Um, and value. And value. value. Yeah. Um, so value. It all, is... Go ahead. No, go for it. Yeah. Um, the book's 40 bucks for print, right? And that's um, from um, what's the website link to it? Where did you find it? Uh, I found it from Apocalypse World's website, and then it links you to Heart of the Deer and a Corn. Yes, great website by the way. Definitely check out Heart of the Deer and a Corn. It's where I also bought the um, uh, the Belonging Between Belonging game that we'll read. Oh um, yeah, the original yeah, yeah. one. Great, great yeah. website. Definitely check out Heart of the Deer and a Corn. They have They're, a lot uh, of stuff on this website that's pretty good stuff that I have not really seen good shop. in a lot of other places. Um, yeah, and then you can get the PDF on itch and drive through for like 20 bucks. Yeah. Um, Plus a lot of the, the, when you get the PDF too, you get more than just this you get. Um, and that's great for players, especially there's, um, all of the, um, let me look at my Dropbox for, for everything that I got, um, when it comes to this, because you also get, um, the reference book which is really just a, a reference for like all of the characters. So it's all of the character sheets, just that whole basically character section um, pulled out. And then the list of the character moves, the threat map, basically, honestly, what we should have just read, um, uh, pulled into its own thing. And then there is also the um, uh, playbooks themselves, uh, the extended playbooks broken down. So you get more. So the face, you get more characters. Um, um, it's like six or seven more characters. So on top of what you get, you get more than just the PDF with it. You get like a, a, a player book yeah. book. And then I would say stuff. that it's, it's above average for value for me. I'm giving it like a really good solid seven. Yeah. Seven works for me. So, um, that's where we're at. So, um, did not love this one. Um, oh, I had an amazing time going through it with you. So, so 32, um, that is what we have for Apocalypse World. Um, just to sum up, I mean, the faults realistically is just, I just, I cannot stand the way this is written. Like, yeah, I'm, I think it's it's an issue of like age, right? Like it, I, I feel like tabletop game writing has been developed a lot in the past few years. I mean, especially, especially since 2020 with this massive push where like every like not everyone but a lot of people are putting out their own indie games because everyone was stuck at home and we we're all doing this online um and so the writing is really dialed in the dev editing is really dialed in also people have dev editors um and editors um 
but I, I, think, I think a lot of the issues are of, of the time period it was made in. Yeah, I think the second biggest issue, and what I probably think is the very first biggest issue, is that from what I can tell, there is no editor. Yeah. And God, it needed one. It needed one so bad. It, really it needed need one, one so bad. It needed someone to just be like, okay, you've said that five times already. Let's condense that down. Let's rearrange the chapters. Because this book would be fine, but I would just chop out like, like 40, 50% of the words, and I would completely rearrange the sections, right? And that would make this... That would jump the score up like fucking like six, seven, eight. But the, the, the usability would go through the roof, right? Um, and then as far as art and layout, whatever, it's wordy. If you want to keep the same page count, I, obviously we want more art in a, in a book because when you just have walls of text and wall, at least it's not two columns, but there's also no bolds. It's just difficult to read. It's difficult to parse. It's it's rough. Um, and that is Apocalypse World. Um Let's pick the next great game that inspired 10 other games that we can fucking hate when we're done reading it. I don't know what the next one is, but let's see. Um, uh, yeah, again. maybe. Or maybe we won't do that for a while because uh, <laughs> it sounds awful. Yeah. Um, so, but um, our next episode next week. What are we doing next week, Ryan? I have no fucking clue. I mean, you play honest with me. My, my, my blood pressure is so high, my brain's not um, working. So, are we talking about the thing we're doing on the 15th? Fuck yeah. Okay. What are we doing on the 15th, well, Ryan? Well, what are, we, what are we doing? Is today the Sunday before the 15th? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, then, we're going to have um, uh, Max Moon on once, once again. Uh, they are in the midst of uh, the um, uh, combined... And uh, volume three of the Abyss of Hallucinations. So they are going to come on and they're going to run an adventure from Abyss of Hallucinations for us here on the show um, Wednesday the 15th. Super, super, super excited for that. Max is a, an amazing person, an amazing creator. Um, Abyss of Hallucinations is something you should back immediately. We have personally got to play with um, Max GMing us before, but it was off stream and it was super cool. It was, uh, it it was, was so a cyborg fun. adventure. Oh, yeah, I we so didn't stream fun. that. We just did that for yeah. fun. <laughs> Which is would be nice to do sometimes. Um, but Max is going to come on. We're actually going to stream it. Um, we're going to talk about Abyss of Hallucinations. Realistically, go buy that. Go back that. It's really, really fantastic. Um, and I think um, after that is the 19th. Yep. And we're going to be doing Planet Fist with Jumpgate Games. Jess Levine, really excited to go over that. Talked about that a little bit today um, on the Kickstarter episode, which will drop tomorrow, which means it'll be before this one. Um, really excited for that. Um, it's like if Fist was a narrative tactical war game that uses 2D6 plus stat. Um, so really excited for that. It'll that be a sounds nice... Familiar. Yeah, it'll be a, a, a nice version of what I what I like about games that are based on PBTA. So those are the things we got coming up. A lot of stuff coming up between now and the end of the month uh, and the end of the year. We are going to be doing a year interview um, again this year, so we'll get to that. But we're going to stack a lot of stuff in the next couple of weeks, probably be done by the second week of December, and then just get prepped for uh, for the end of that. So that's it. That's our episode. Find all our links at our link tree slash the weekly scroll. Um, we'll put uh, links to um, the meal train for Meg Baker at the bottom and links to all this stuff. And uh, that's all I got. That's all I have as well. All right. We will talk to you later. Have fun in, in your apocalypse worlds, people. Sex moves. Bye.